This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. And welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is your 40k podcast that focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. Although, for this episode, we're going to focus on playing at the highest level of the game. That's right, we're going to talk about the LVO. We're going to recap the Las Vegas Open. We have two players today who competed in the Las Vegas Open and actually had a really good combined record of 9-3. and three. And then, of course, we have uh, myself. This year, I took a step back from uh, doing the coverage for the LVO, and I ran the entire convention, so I'll be able to add in that nice little detail. And then finally, we have Peter the Falcon, who who helped shoutcast and cover the entire 40k champs on top of the Las Vegas Open from Stat Center, the Ocho. Aw, yeah. And then, of course, I have Mr. Brandon Grant. Good to be back. And Mr. Sean Morgan. It's this guy. All right, so one of the first things you might notice is my voice does not sound good. It sounds a little strained. That is because I contracted some laryngitis. Got a little bit of a viral throat infection going on down here. Definitely from the Las Vegas Open. Um, I got, I unfortunately got sick right before the LVO, um, and then I didn't have time to rest my voice because I was shouting and running around, you know, staying up super late, not getting any sleep, talking you know, at the LVO. So uh, it's been over a week now and I am still not recovered at all. So uh, I will not be doing a ton of talking past the introduction for this episode. Uh, Talking just still does hurt a little bit. Hopefully by the next week, I'm completely recovered. uh, Although we will wait and see. So today's episode, not only going to talk about the LVO, but specifically we're going to talk about the all-star draft leading up to the LVO, which we talked about last episode. Uh, We're also going to be talking about the stats that the Falcon flew in all the way from Alberta. Ah, yeah. Yep. Uh, He worked hard, got a bunch of really great stats, unit stats, uh, what the win-loss records were for Space Marines, for all the factions, uh, what the most units were, and all of that good stuff is everything he is known and loved for, and I'm super excited to dive into those stats. Also, we're going to get... insider's look from myself and peter on what it's like to run and cover an entire event so we're going to talk about that if you're interested in what the behind the scenes stuff of the las vegas open in particular um that's probably where i'll be able to jump back in and talk and then finally uh we'll get brandon's and sean's experience at the lvo and then we'll talk about the richard siegler and his great big win and our reaction to it as well 
So it should be a jam-packed episode. It should be a lot of fun. And of course, it wouldn't be here without the Frontline Gaming Network. Of course, this episode is brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network, your one-stop shop for all 40k podcasts everywhere. We've got 40k Stats Center, The Art of War, Chapter Tactics, and if you're feeling feisty, Signals from the Frontline. Pretty good docket. Also, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Uh, the patrons are absolutely amazing. There's a great community going on there. You get to ask questions that we answer live at the end of every episode. So if you ever wondered what sandwich the Falcon loves eating or what a perfect date would look like with Mr. Adam Camilleri from Down Under Network or whatever questions you might have for us, please, please, please sign up for that Patreon. Also, patrons get access to uh, Discord, Facebook groups, all that good stuff. And finally, patrons get entered into a free raffle that I do every month. This month, I promised something from Forge World. I kind of delivered. Uh, it was not any Forge World <laughs> exclusive models because the Forge World exclusive models this year were uh, Hobbits from Lord of the Rings <laughs> and a Space Marine Lieutenant. So last year it was Sanguinius and his crazy base. Um, and so this year I didn't want to do that, so I, I grabbed an exclusive Forge World dice tray that you can only buy at Forge World conventions. And also I'm throwing in uh, basically a 40k super high roller package, basically a ton of swag from the LVO that I grabbed and nicked, on top of some stuff I bought from vendors, uh, basically all sorts of cool stuff that you could only have gotten from the Las Vegas Open. So it's like a super grab bag, and that is what I'm going to be giving away uh, I'm going to be giving away for the month of January, and I already have a winner for that. So congratulations to Mr. Nicholas Dork, uh, Nicholas the patron. Uh, Dork is uh, spelled D-O-R-I-C-H, although you probably know because I pronounced your name incorrectly, I'm sure. So Nick, uh, congratulations on winning that super package. If you're interested in winning for February's prize, I haven't decided what it is yet. However, you can go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics to win that or find out more information. All right. Lastly, go to frontlinegaming.org and buy stuff, or Reese will fire me. Ooh, oh, that is all. That's a bit harsh. That is. That's <laughs> that's quite the, the show downer. business for you. That's quite <laughs> the downer we ended on there. You gotta, you gotta, ad, you gotta please your advertisers and and your sponsors. <laughs> um, anyways, let's go ahead and jump into 40k fantasy. So what that is is, if you're unaware of what fantasy games are, fantasy sports is, it's essentially where players draft or choose, usually draft though, a pool of players or competitors in a specific game or sport. In this instance, we drafted players playing in the Las Vegas Open, and the pool of players that you drafted is compared to other players' pools that they drafted, and whoever got the most ITC points at the Las Vegas Open, meaning whoever ranked the highest total for your entire team, uh, won. And uh, I was a part of three drafts this year, and Peter, in our all-star draft, by the way, when I mean all-star, I mean these guys are people who who absolutely know this game and know who to draft. You know, we've got Mr. Steven Box from Vanguard Tactics, we've got Reese Robbins, the Falcon, Adam Solis, one of the head judges or senior judges at the LVO, myself, Paul Murphy, Val Heffelfinger, Nick Nadavati, Colin Sherman, Adam Camilleri from Down Under Network, and finally Scary from Scardcast. So this is this; these are people who 
live and breathe competitive 40k talk about all the time well maybe not paul murphy he talks about 40k whoa, in general all the time whoa not just competitive 40k that's a compliment it's shots not fired paul the paul murphy <laughs> the paul murphy talks is the about dumbest person in fantasy 40k is what i'm hearing <laughs> is not what i said at all um however uh out of all of us every name i mentioned uh he specializes in competitive 40k the least which is uh not a negative thing uh, but he knows, still knows a lot about competitive 40k. He's been around it forever. He knows all the people, knows the history and all that stuff. He was actually part of a history of competitive 40k episode that we had in the summer, uh, which was a tribute to Jeff Robinson. It was a really good episode. I highly recommend you look that up. So, and he's remarkably handsome and is consistently a wearing guy. a suit. He's a, he's the quintessential Southern gentleman. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy, but. All of these names, all these people you've probably heard of if you listen to these competitive 40K podcasts, uh, it was absolutely the hardest draft. Um, no names went, no top names went late, uh, and the Falcon dominated everyone. That uh, Peter, you scored your total team for your for uh, the All Star League scored a total of thirteen hundred ITC points. Your mm-hmm. lowest was Mark Perry. With 227 ITC points scored. That's still like a top 50 player. Yeah, he, he was undefeated going into round six. Yeah. He was 4-0-1, right? He lost, yes. He was uh, the spoiler, potentially the spoiler, TJ Lanigan. Yeah. And, uh, um, our next... Oh, I good, did sorry. scold him um, when he got his draw. <laughs> because he tie, his, his tie game, he tied because he forgot he had recon as a secondary. And mm. didn't score it on one of his last turns, and he would have won. All he Jeez. had to do was move a cultist like two inches, and he won the and he wins the game. So I scolded wow. him pretty bad. I mean, he's a big, scary man <laughs> from Florida, so you have to be careful how far you take it, because um, he has lifted me up over his head, and uh, and I I was like a rag doll to him. So you got to be careful, but he deserved it, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Peter drafted John Lennon, of course. Steve Pamprine, pretty good. Jack Harpster, uh, perennial top eighter. Always, always a you know a, a danger to make the top eight. Mark Perry, of course, and uh, Mr. Richard Martin, another really good member of the Brohammer team. I would actually call him Richard Siegler 2.0 or uh, Discount Richard Siegler. Oh, He's a whoa. really good player, but <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 funny because they had they ran the same Tau list. They have the same Tau color scheme. They kind of even act and look the same, just a little bit. And they have the same name. They have, yep, they have the They're same from the name, same area. From the same area, and... You've never seen both of them in the same room at the same time. It, yeah, it's it's just... Richard Martin is a really great guy. Uh, I, I, you know, I've uh, eaten dinner with him, I've hung out with him, he's a really, really nice guy. Same thing with Richard Siegler, but um, unfortunately... He has the second worst beard in 40K <laughs> after John Lennon. Yeah, but... Just um, putting it out there, uh, guys, fix yeah, that. Just... Just saying, discount, discount Richard Siegler is not uh, is not a negative thing to be. But anyways, <laughs> Richard Martin is a phenomenal player as well, and he got 266 ITC points for Team Brohammer out of the LVO um, and did a phenomenal job at the LVO too. was so close to making the top eight. So uh, Peter drafted an absolute stacked team. He got Richard Martin last in round six. Um, that's someone that I had my eye on. He drafted him. Second place, we had Mr. Nick Nadavati, who was actually 14 points behind Peter with 1,286 points scored. That's another really, really high uh, point scored for a team drafted. Uh, Nick had TJ Lanigan, another really great player. Brad Chester, who made the top eight. Matt Shuckman, 
uh, Mark Hurdle and Alan PJ Pants. Uh, Alan PJ Pants was Nick's kind of fl- late round flyer, round six. If I had known Alan Bodramovic was playing 40k this year, not AOS, if I had actually looked up his name, I absolutely would have drafted him. Uh, Alan won the ITC uh, four years ago and is a phenomenal player. Um, yeah, absolutely great. And then finally, uh, Val Heffelfinger came in third. Uh, Val had uh, probably the most stacked looking team, I think. Um, actually, no, I think Peter did. But Val had Richard Siegler draft his number one. Then Alex Harrison did really well. Uh, Mike Snyder, Mark Crumbleholm, Colin McDade, and that's it. Those are his five scores. So, anyways, great job. It was a lot of fun. I highly recommend drafting fantasy for future super majors, and also uh, look forward to a an uh, semi-official ITC season uh, fantasy draft where you can draft players for the entire year. And that'll include roles and all sorts of other good stuff. Uh, what, what did you guys, or I guess Peter, what did you think about the fantasy draft this year? I mean, it was great. The, the unfortunate thing I think for it uh, was the the, cup, the last couple rounds where we were all kind of mired in our own business, so it was very hard to take the time to pick, which which was unfortunate. Like Val and I were setting up equipment. Um, you were trying to run the LVO, uh, so there was a bit of a distraction near the end. Uh, I think I think it could have run better if we had started earlier, but it's just it's such a hectic season. Um, I know there were a couple auto picks near the end for people just because there was so much going on, uh, but yeah, it was it was great. I really, I mean, I love fantasy drafts of all types, and uh, 40k one is kind of right up my alley. It's uh, exactly what I do. So, right on. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into uh, actually Sean and Brandon. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about playing in the actual game. So we talked about drafting players who played. Uh, Brandon, you have a lot of experience, as do you, you too, Sean, with playing at the LVO. I think both of you have a combined 11 or 12 LVO visits, something like that. I don't think Sean has missed an LVO. Uh, and Brandon, Brandon, I think his first big event was the LVO. Yeah, yeah. I did miss one of them a couple years ago, just mm-hmm. due to scheduling and other stuff. But well, I've I been to, you. yeah, quite a few. Uh, I mean, it is kind of the 40K events. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> uh, starting with uh, Sean, why don't you go over uh, briefly what list you brought, your kind of mentality going into the event, and how you did. And um, you don't need to go match by match, but um, maybe a quick like five minute highlights of of some of the matches or anything like that. Uh, so the list I brought was a you know, fairly standard kind of mechanized Eldar list that you're seeing a lot of these days. Um, three Crimson Hunters, because they're still good, um, even with the price bump. Um, a trio of Wave Serpents with double missile launchers. Uh, a trio of Fire Prisms. And then a couple uh, War Walkers and a handful of Infantry and Spellcasters to kind of round things out. Um, it wasn't really the ideal list. Uh, I, there was definitely, I think, lists that could have been better than it, but... Uh, given the time I had to put models together after the changes to the, the painting requirements and stuff like that, I felt it was really about the best I could do. Uh, and it's certainly not a bad list. Uh, I ended up going 4-2 with it, which is a perfectly respectable uh, showing overall and 
kind of about where I've sat most years. Uh, I've had a lot of 4-2, 4-1-1, stuff like that. Um, the two losses I took were both to either Marine lists or Marines hybridized with something else, which is pretty much what I was expecting. Um, the list just does not really have the firepower and resilience to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the top Marine armies. Um, not a lot of armies do, honestly. Uh, if I get the right deployment and other stuff, it can it can fight a bit, but uh, it it's a rough job trying to beat Marines with just about anything, and it's no different for Eldar. Um, I had a bunch of good games. Um, I, I actually played a pretty wide selection of different kinds of armies. Uh, I had a great game against Tyranids that had some pretty good back and forth. Um, the new Tyranid stuff, even though they unfortunately did get a number of nerfs, um, does give them some pretty interesting options and some neat tools. And you're definitely seeing a lot of units that you didn't really see before. Um, but they still struggle a bit. Uh, and just the, the raw firepower and maneuverability that you can get out of an Eldar list is tough for them to deal with. Um, the real kind of uh, star player for me throughout the weekend, other than obviously Crimson Hunters, uh, was the Fire Prisms. Um, getting that many shots with really high stats and full rerolls is a very powerful thing. Uh, even though they are limited when they're not able to, uh, say, you know, get line of sight to something, um, when they're allowed to shoot at stuff, they will just absolutely shred them, whether it's infantry or vehicles or what have you. Uh, and the extremely long range and ability to draw line of sight off a single fire prism is also a very, very powerful ability. And for one CP a turn, it was worth it basically every time. Um, overall, I felt perfectly okay about my, my showing. I didn't really have any feeling that I was gonna take the top prize this year or anything, just because I knew my list was not ideal. Uh, but I, I feel like I played about as well as I could have, um, and I had a pretty good time. If you'd had more time to, uh, build out the list, what would you have changed? Um, I had been testing a list using Wraith Lords, okay. um, you know, triple Wraith Lord, triple Warwalker, and some more, uh, ground-based stuff rather than the Flyers. Um, that puts out a pretty similar amount of firepower, but has a little bit better control of midfield. Mm -hmm. um, I'd also been looking at some Tau armies. Um, I mean, the, the classical Tau of just like three Riptides and a million drones and some other stuff is still a very good list and deals relatively well with magic boxes, uh, which were the thing that my army really struggled with. Um, once a unit kind of ensconced itself into a magic box, then that was basically the end of it for me. Uh, and that, to varying degrees, came up in a couple of my matchups. Hmm. Makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I would actually have liked to have run three Night Spinners, but I only have 
three magnetized chassis for either fire prisms or night spinners. Um, and so I had to make the pick there. And I, even though the night spinner is definitely a much better platform now, uh, I felt that running the three of them would have left me kind of short on anti-tank. And considering I bumped into a, a guard mechanized list with a super heavy, uh, a, a mechanized marine list, a triple knight list, you know, Tyranids with monstrous creatures, uh, I think I definitely would have felt the the lack of anti-tank in those mm, matchups. That, that was going to be my question, was uh, was why you didn't go with Night Spinners, but yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm always concerned about Triple Knights. It's a list you've always got to be ready for, and I just don't think that if you, you know do that one-to-one swap with the Night Spinners and then fill in like another Warwalker with those remaining points, I just don't feel you have the firepower to take down Triple Knights before they ruin your day. Gotcha. Now, did, did question you I have for Skari. Um, Skari did you exist. get the chance to look at Sean Naden's list? Oh, I was just about to ask that. <laughs> Um, yes, it's a very Sean Naden list. Um, I would not have been able to play it the way he did. Um, I think it's a solid list, although I think that it doesn't have the tools that I would want to be able to deal with a lot of the meta right now. Um, I also get very nervous about, uh, just getting bad terrain with a list like that. Um, and I know that Sean can manage that. He's a really, really good player, and he has a ton of experience with uh, playing that kind of army. I don't, and even though I could maybe have scrounged up the models to play an army like that, because I have most of that stuff short of, like, the Harlequin jet bikes, and I know I could borrow those from someone, um, but I, I just don't think I would have been able to do a good job with it. Uh, one final question: uh, Did you get a chance to look at the the Seer Council list, like the Sh- the Shuckman list? Because he did really well with that list. And was that something that you'd consider too, or no? Yeah, I have actually played Seer Council lists prior to this, and obviously they've only gotten better with the the new improvements. Um, similarly, like I have enough Shining Spears to run those sorts of lists, um, but. The Seer Council list is just, it feels too unreliable for me because you are basically always one bad psychic phase away from losing the game. Um, And it also relies heavily on sort of wrapping and trapping a lot of stuff, which does not always work out quite the way you want it to. Um, I brought Seer Council armies to a couple of tournaments earlier last year and had some pretty rough experiences with them, um, which kind of steered me away from it now. Yeah. Uh, it's not a bad army, but it's not an army that I'm really comfortable playing because, you know, all you need to do is roll double ones into double ones on your quicken and that's the end of your game. Yeah, and I I think if you talk to Jack Harpster, he that's the story he tells. His only loss yep. with that list was essentially like one terrible turn. And mm-hmm. when you're playing against Marines uh, nowadays, you can't it's you can't really afford that, especially with a list that's no. that aggressive, right? Because you're in yeah. your opponent's face, you fail a charge, all of a sudden they like they get off a null zone or something, and your whole army's done. 
right? Yeah, so. and that's really my big concern with that kind of army, is that it's it's super good until it isn't, and then it just collapses instantly. Um, and for me, at least, that is not an army I want to take to a tournament. I, I don't trust my dice. And I will say, talking about Sean Naden, um, watching his games for the stream was hilarious. The amount of times <laughs> he managed to get off the like Sophie's choice behind a person's enemy lines where turn one he'd have um, a solitaire and a death jester like behind the enemy lines mm-hmm. um, and then make them choose what to kill was hilarious. I couldn't believe it. How many times I'd walk by a table and be like, Oh, he did it again against Aaron a long. Yeah. Uh, Aaron turned around, blew away the death jester. And so now you have the incarn and a solitaire in your, in your line turn one. It's yeah. just so funny. I couldn't believe it. Like, it- Sean Naden is an amazing player. I've I've been up against him before, and he really is just a master of the movement phase and and assaults. Um, and the the Incarn is legit these days. It is a serious consideration, and I think a lot of Eldari lists just because that kind of bizarre movement shenanigans is something that 40k players are not used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, let's go ahead and move over to Brandon. Uh, Brandon, you went 5-1 and one this year, uh, which by your standards is still pretty good. Um, uh, there were a lot of talks about uh, you repeating uh, with guard and that being you know harder to do. How did you feel about your guard list? Because I felt like talking about it and, and hearing you talk about it, you were still pretty confident in it, uh, especially in dealing with space marines. But um, do you want to talk about your list? And then same question, uh, highlights over your games. Um, thought process going into the LVO, et cetera, et cetera. So where to start? So first of all, <laughs> I feel like the list that I'm running, if you built a Space Marine list to counter it, I would have no chance. So that's where Space Marines are in the meta right now. So I've built a list that can handle Marines about as well as Guard possibly can. But if you're a Space Marine player and you take the right co- uh, combination of chapters and abilities... There's not much that a guard army can do if you've built into a guard army. And there were a couple of games that I had that certainly it felt like I was climbing out of a deep, deep hole when I was playing Space Marines. Mm. So, for example, the first game I played was on stream, and it was against a double Repulsor Executioner Iron Hands list, and I kind of showed the world why that list doesn't work anymore. Mm. Um, Through plus one armor and Ironstone, two Demolisher Cannon tanks destroyed the Repulsor. Um, thanks to old grudges as well. It was just because of the way I played and because he didn't have a really solid melee threat or big board control presence in the middle. Um, yeah, that, that game turned into, I shoot him before he shoots me and, uh, kiss the repulsors goodbye. I win. Um, my second game was a good showcase into a Raven guard player on hammer and anvil deployment where I went first and pretty much zoned him out for three turns, and then picked him up off the board. Like, he only had one Thunderfire cannon, picked that up turn one before it got a chance to shoot, and then cleaned him up off the board. My game three, though, was super counter list, because it had Chaplain Dread and Quad Laz Cannon Dread, both as characters and an Iron Hand successor with Master Artisans and Stealthy. Uh, Two Eliminator squads that were Iron Hands, uh, two intercessor squads and a scout squad um a detachment of imperial fists 
with triple Thunderfire Cannon and a captain who had the relic of I'm also a lieutenant, and then a Raven Guard successor of plus three-inch range and stealthy with 15 Assault Centurions, all with Hurricane Bolters and Flamers, and an assortment of characters including a Chaplain and a Smash Captain, all rolled into one list. So first of all, there's so much Ignores cover AP2 in this list. Um, for, and it was really, really hard for my list on paper to deal with it. Went second on pointy Dawn of War and picked up 40 or more Guardsmen turn one. Um, and then I picked up five Centurions. But again, I can't see or shoot the uh, character Dreadnoughts, so I'm just hiding from them most of the game as well as I possibly can. Um, I do manage to pick up both Eliminator squads turn one because Basilisk shooting twice, ignoring cover with rerolls to hit, picks up two squads. That was nice. Um, but the way the game went, turn three, because I'd gone second, he has to bring in his reserves before I bring in my Demolisher cannon that I outflanked. And he's killed all my infantry that were on the board, so I had to zone him out with company commanders, which I did. And then he managed to wrap one of the company commanders and another squad of Centurions is sitting in the open. At this point, my Demolisher Cannon comes in. Everything's going to ignore cover because of the Astropath. Um, and then the Bulgrins are going to charge the squad that had been tied up. And then the Astropath perilses uh, and kills himself on double sixes, reroll to six, six for three wounds to himself. Picks up a wounded tank commander. I don't kill the Centurions in the open. I don't get Psychic Barrier off on the Bulgrins. The Centurions pick up the Bulgrins and I lose the game. So Jesus. when you're playing into, into Space Marines, it can be like that close sometimes. And me and my opponent, I really, really enjoyed that game. We both did. Um, but it was kind of falling down a spiral staircase on bottom of three. And um, again, I, I built the list exactly for that exact worst case scenario. And in fact, I chose to go second, uh, totally underestimating the amount of firepower he had. In the future, I would choose to go first in that matchup every time in a Raven Guard go first because you zone them out and they can't be as aggressive. Um, and then I had another match versus Imperial Fists where, again, triple Thunderfire Cannon with the captain with Relic of I'm also a lieutenant, all Imperial Fists pure, 30 Intercessors with Stalker Bolt Rifles, two of the Invictor Warsuits with Auto Cannons, nine Suppressors, um, and everything ignores cover and does bonus damage to vehicles. So turn one, the one Thunderfire Cannon with Tank Hunter shooting twice picked up a Demolisher and a half through I Can't See You. Yep. Um, and then the other two picked up the Spare. It was just... And turn two, my opponent was like, wow, you're really taking this beat down really well. Um, but I ended up winning that game by one point through shenanigans. Oh um, my gosh. So that's how tight it is against Marines right now. Um, and actually, I really enjoyed all my opponents, but those were the two really noteworthy games was um, the Rainbow Marines of every chapter and the Imperial Fist game were really close until they weren't. Um, and they were really fun, but in summary, I really, really, really enjoyed my opponents this time. Um, I had some fantastic games, but I've reached peak guard like the the list that i'm bringing really can't be any much more suited for the meta and there are certain lists that you saw in the top eight or even close to the top eight that the guard codex does not have answers for so um, maybe that's a topic for another episode uh going over some of the stats of the top lists but 
there are just certain matchups that there's some feel badsies with that pure guard list where it's like, oh, hmm. um, I'm not going to be able to hurt this enough, and you're just going to pick up all my models in two turns. So, for example, uh, Manishima's list with the massive spam of Imperial Fists artillery that was tabling most of his opponents in two turns. Mm-hmm. Um, that list is gross. Like, yeah, especially in the mine. I think that to me was the most disgusting list. Like I uh, shook my head in shame every round at Manny other than his game against Lennon um, because like I would start uh, filming games and I was moving table to table and then I'd get to Manny's table and he'd be like shaking his opponent's hand and I'd be like, it's 15 minutes, Manny. He'd be like, I know, man, I know. His the his opponent uh, his knights game I like I felt bad before it started, and then he killed two knights, brought another knight down to one wound and a helverin down to one wound, uh, with his first round of shooting and tried to orbital bombardment it just to finish the game off, um, and that was turn <laughs> one right against like a oh full knights list. Um, <laughs> it, if he had rolled a four up, I think he picks up two, the the other two knights and then the guy just has a helverin sitting on the table, um, before he even gets to play the game. Like that to me, um, there were a lot of uh, like upper tier players that I talked to that were explicitly like trying to dodge that list. They were like, I just don't want to face it until I absolutely have to because it's it's a mostly non-interactive list until like turn three or four for most armies. And so you just have to deal with that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I like what you were saying, Brandon. Um, going into next season, is there... Is there anything you're going to change? You, I know you were looking at sisters, possibly, or are you just going to stick with guard and hope that PA gives you that benefit? Or what's the deal? I'm still very considering sisters. I keep hemming and hawing on them because sometimes they seem really good. And then I actually played sisters, and my opponent commented, I've never lost this many models so quickly on turn two because I was spamming AP3 and he was Valorous Heart. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I just picked up uh, something like 50 sisters by turn two. It was hmm. gross. Yeah, that seems to be what I've, like, I see everyone's is going Valorous Heart because it does on paper look to be the best um, just for that AP2. But then they go into Iron Hands or your list and just everything gets picked up right away because all those Stalker Bolt rifles, rifles are AP3. Same with Imperial Fists. Like, it's just, I don't know. I mean, you can be running the four up invuln alongside yes. ignoring AP two. That's that... what I think he was missing. He did not yeah. have any buffs to his faith saves. And I oh. think if he'd had a four plus plus ball, yeah. um, it would have been a much different game because a lot of the time he was just getting a six up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I feel you have to do is like you've got to be ready for both halves of that. Of like if they don't have AP three or better then you just shrug everything off on twos or threes and if they do you're shrugging it off on fours uh and that's really the direction you want to go i don't know if that's enough to be top tier but i think that's where you need to start with it uh so brandon uh kind of backtracking a little bit to what you said earlier alluded to earlier if gw's in the room and you've got 20 or 30 seconds to talk to them uh to tell them what to change to make guard and everyone compete with Space Marines, what would you change? Um, I would caution them to be very careful about stacking abilities that can apply from multiple sources to the same unit. And that's that's mm. it. I don't need more time. I can explain why, but that is nah, the core problem with balance right now, 
Yeah. Um, you see it with things like the Possessed Star. You see it with things like Space Marine Supplements. You th- see it with things like Psychic Awakening on top of Space Marine Supplements. Mm-hmm. You take solid units, and then if you pile too many abilities into one unit, it starts becoming a Death Star, or it starts becoming, I've removed all but three wounds of your models, turn one. Yeah. And that's yeah. fundamentally been the problem with a lot of the lists in the past before was, you know, you had the Yanari lists that were just like they were revolving around a single squad of Shining Spears that just won the entire game by itself or the Eldar Flyer lists where the, the whole gimmick was just stacking up minus twos, minus threes and minus fours to hit. Yeah, buffs. Um, and that that's kind of a, a common thing of games, period, right? is the more the more overlapping upgrades and buffs that you can get onto anything um make it really good right and then yeah. well, stars and 40k have been an issue they're I multiplicatively the, effective yeah and i think that's the reason you see like if you look at the unit stats from lvo um if you don't count lies because he's kind of an outlier um the primaris apothecary had the best like win rate of any unit in the game <laughs> by far really yeah, anybody that took a Primaris Apothecary, like, and when you consider that all of those Brohammer lists took it, uh, but they weren't the only ones, um, that 5++ plus plus bubble for Iron Hands on top of having a 5++ plus 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 bubble, well, which is what the Apothecary gives, that's huge. And even for other armies, like Imperial Fists, having a 6++ plus Feel No Pain as a bubble... And a flat heal three, like that's massive. It ch- it completely changes a lot of math against so many armies. Uh, Iron Hands in general, uh, they didn't need to get that much better, and that like puts them way over the top. So not to be too complainy or put too put put too fine a point on it. Just it's it's cool to have cool rules that have amazing abilities. Just be careful about not giving all of them to one unit mm-hmm. at the same time. Anyway, moving All right. on. No, that's some really good stuff, guys. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, move on to uh, the coverage for the Las Vegas Open. So, uh, Peter, it, I think it was a success. I think uh, we combined told enough people about the 40K Stat Center of the Ocho, 40K Champs coverage at the Las Vegas Open. Uh, there were certainly a lot of people asking me about it, and I'm sure bombarding you and Val about it. Um, and overall, I think it was a real success. So uh, why don't you talk about um, what went into it, what you guys were doing, and for the people who maybe still haven't gotten a chance to look at some of the awesome coverage you guys pulled off, uh, telling them uh, what what it is and what it was. Sure. So um, I'll go back to the beginning. Um, several months ago, I messaged Reese. Uh, I was planning on going to the LVO as a player, and I just wasn't feeling it. Um, I don't get a lot of games in, in the middle of nowhere Arctic land. Um, so I just, I want it, but I, I love this game so much. I wanted to help. So I said, Hey, if you guys need help on the commentary team or doing something secondary, I'd love to just do that. He was all in on it. Uh, told me just show up. I'll get, he'll hook me up with what I need to do. We'll figure it out. Um, you know, a couple months pass, Pablo messages me, says, Hey, um, how would you feel doing like the Facebook live stuff I did last year? I said, that's super. I'm into it. Um, whatever I can do to help. And he's like, well, it's better than doing Age of Sigmar because Pablo yeah. hates Age of Sigmar. And... So hold on, hold on. So, <laughs> no. let, let me let me backtrack here. There's there's a missing part of the story here. So uh, we uh, Peter reaches out to Reese and 
that's roughly when I find out that Peter's going to help out with the stream in some way, in some capacity. So I'm thinking, like, oh, shit, we've got the Falcon. You know, we'll have really good top-notch coverage. And then so I ask Reese, hey, what's what's up with Peter? What's he going to do? And Reese is like, oh, I think I'm, he's just going to help with the, the FLG stream. Like, he's got experience with that. And I was like, Reese, aren't you just streaming Age of Sigmar on the FLG stream this year? He's like, yeah, but, you know, Peter, Peter can help them run it. And I, I immediately... I was like, no, we, you do <laughs> not put your top commentator, you do not put, you know, uh, Chris Collinsworth on golf. You know, you, you just, it just doesn't <laughs> happen, you know? Um, <clears throat> so I reached out to Peter and I was like, Peter, would you be willing to do this, this, and this? He said yes. Uh, and then um, uh, the rest is history. A guy got Val. Uh, once I told Val, you know what I wanted. And it was game over. It. it was it, Val took it from there. Yeah. Val messages me. He's like, how big do you want to make this? And I said, as big as GW will let us. Cause I, the one thing we didn't want to do was step on anybody's toes. So if we came up with a, so we came up with a, uh, a proposal, sent it to Reese. Reese was aces in on it. Um, we probably thought too big, but we made it work. Um, dr- like Val went all in. He bought a drone, as everyone hopefully at this point knows. Um, he rented out like insane um, equipment. Like we had, I had a backpack that I carried around for a full day that had four fused LTE cards with uh, from different service providers with unlimited data, so that if internet went down in Vegas, we could still run the stream. Um, like it was just intense the amount of stuff we had. We did run into some issues day one. Um, we thir- uh, Val and I both showed up Wednesday. Thursday we spent a day kind of practicing everything, making sure the equipment worked. I commentated the charity game with Adam Camilleri, uh, probably the best commentator in 40k at this time. Sorry, recent Frankie. Adam's just amazing. Um, we had a ball doing that. Me, him, Mariana. Uh, getting to actually meet uh, Fennel for the first time and Mark Merrill was great. They're super good guys. Um, Friday comes in. We're super excited. Um, we get in and our cloud we were going we were streaming everything to is not functioning. Um, everything's uh, uploading at like five FPS. We don't know what the problem is. Uh, a lot of uh, 40k podcast and video personalities come in and try to give us help. Bridger Hahn came in um, from uh, formerly Tabletop Titans. I really can't remember the name off the top of my head of what they call themselves now. He was like, "It's got to be your cloud." Um, Jason Horn came in and gave us some help. Like we were, tr- we we tested everything. Val was head down for probably six hours trying to figure out what was wrong. Unfortunately, our tech support guy was asleep because he was working on Japan time. Um, and we didn't know that, so Val was just getting angrier and angrier, but um, we, like, reset everything. Um, the BCP issue happens. I don't know if we're talking about that on this episode, but that actually, unfortunately for everyone else I'll but that. us, um, like, I think everyone was very upset about that except the five guys in, in our room because it gave us the extra time to get our, our crap together. Um Although I did miss a super awesome luncheon because of it, whatever. Uh, the fact that uh, that gave us time, our tech support guy woke up and reset his server. Everything starts working. Um, I rush out into the field with a portable camera on a gimbal, and we started filming. And um, we had a couple hiccups, but we were averaging between six and 800 viewers pretty much consistently throughout the event. Uh, we spiked a little uh, during the semifinals in particular because, you know, GW can only cover one game. We can cover all of them if we need to. 
um, Tony uh, Pierce, uh, Sir Panda Pants from Reddit. He was huge. He was writing all the articles for FLG, um, and he had a headset. He was the only guy I could talk to in the room because our uh, headset system wasn't working. So uh, that was a bit of an issue. Uh, so he would feed to me what they were saying, which helped me communicate what was happening at the tables. And we just had an awesome time together. Um, Adam and Paul were amazing on commentary. I highly recommend you just watch for them, their interviews they did. Um, there's an interview they did with Adam Abramowitz in particular that was gold. Um, even Nick Notavati, uh, half-wasted out of his mind, stumbled in during the final, and I was... I was like, we can't have this guy on because, like, I don't know what's going to happen here. And as soon as someone asked him about 40K, it was like whatever alcohol was in his brain, like, flushed out. And immediately he was giving this, like, these extremely cogent strategic tips about the game as it was happening, how where it was going to go. It was just awesome. Like, I can't uh, thank you guys enough for giving us the opportunity and thank my team for just pulling it off because, like, it was way better than I imagined we could do it. Yeah, it, w- it was definitely everything I wanted and more for the 40K Champs. Um, for those of you who don't know, I in previous years, I'm the one who ran the coverage for the LVO. And I was all by myself and usually given other tasks too, like running the Frontline Gaming Store, um, putting out fires, various things. Uh, and I'd never had the time to, to give it the proper love it needed to. Uh, and this year, <clears throat> um, I just I wanted something better. And what it really was was the shadow round. Uh, last year, the shadow round, um, I remember asking the guys if, if they wanted to cover the shadow round. And everyone was like, no, we want to go to sleep. <laughs> and I realized, like, oh, no, if I don't Facebook live stream this on my phone, no one's going to know what happens in the shadow round at all, except for Facebook, you know, messages, PMs and stuff and whatever people post. So um, I, I live streamed it. And then the entire time I was thinking next year's got to be better. Next year's got to be better. <laughs> Uh, and, and it uh, happened. It was great. The shadow round was good. Uh, everyone was tired. That's the problem with the shadow round. Just like mm. the third round in day one because of the BCP issue, like everyone's exhausted. You're seeing mistakes being made that you know these guys wouldn't normally make. Um, like watching uh, Richard Martin versus Boris in the shadow round. Like there was like it was a very tight game. Judges were called pretty frequently, but not like because it, they were being chippy. Just for like measurement issues, because every and you could tell like there was like they were two very tired dudes that were trying to make a tight game out of like out of nothing. Uh, TJ versus Justin Lois. There was a bit of it because and you could tell a lot of it was you know these guys have been playing for you know whatever twelve hours two days in a row. Um, even me, like the, the shadow round, there were many times I would set up the camera and just be, and just like in the, in the headphones, just be like, guys, I need to sit down. i this is day two of a 16 hour day. I just need to sit. Um, so please keep talking and tell me when you're desperate for me to, to chime in. Cause I can't like, it was just a long ass series of events, but like, I loved every minute of it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, it, it's definitely a grind, and uh, welcome to the LVO crew. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> the five of you, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a rite of passage. Uh, yeah. All right, so um, are there any final thoughts before we move on? No, I'm just super excited uh, to do it again um, already. we The whole group of us uh, have been talking about... Um, kind of staging another one of these before the next LVO. Uh, we haven't worked out all the details, but 
I think sometime in May we're gonna fly Adam back out from Australia for a an event and uh, make that happen and bring you more absolutely amazing drone coverage and hope we can go two for two with not uh, having an accident with it outside of me <laughs> stepping on it uh, that one time. Yeah, it and I'm sorry to mean me to cut you off, Peter, but this is something that that I've also been dreaming about you know, since we started talking about covering competitive 40K and taking it to the next level years and years ago. And that was the idea of a dedicated broadcasting and casting team that can go to super majors um, with some mild funding uh, and out of the love and passion of their hearts and the significant others' hearts um, and cover really big 40K events that don't get a lot of coverage. Uh, you know, I'm looking at events like Adepticon, um, ETC, right? Or, or I guess WTC now. Ooh. Yeah, uh, we'll have that's to. That's thing. definitely <laughs> a future chapter tactics episode. I promise. Um, we've already got that lined up and scheduled. But um, yeah, it, a lot of events just don't have the crews to cover the events because they're they're guys like me, Reese, and Frankie who are busy running an entire con, and they don't have you know people or time or know abouts or for whatever reason to cover an entire convention plus completely cover 40k chips right and you have intrepid heroes in in like the uh, rob honest wargamer rob uh uh adam and and diffie paul jason horn who do some traveling to events and do a really good job of covering them um but you know this was a big step in a huge direction which i'm i'm so excited for and just the fact that we got people from all over the world uh coming down and helping you know and, and introducing each other uh, like I like you mentioned before, uh, Peter Jason Horn was there helping you guys. Ton of podcasters and uh, personalities talk to you guys as well, and all of that networking is is exciting to me because those are resources and people and friends who can help us out later on to to grow. So super cool, so excited. I'm so excited. My voice is dying as I'm talking <laughs> about it. I would just like to chime in with one final thought on the Shadow Round. I think that we should not cover it so it remains entirely mysterious and unknowable <laughs> to players. We'll I just, want it to be a real Shadow Round. We'll just I want uh, it to write be down the legend. coverage. <laughs> we'll yeah, write down the coverage yeah. and men in black wipe, mind wipe them as soon as their game's over. Mm. Well, <laughs> their opponent will be those those monsters from Doctor Who that you can't remember after oh, you stop no. looking at them. Yeah. No, not like this. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how I want this thing to go. Oh, the nightmares. Sean Naden just wakes up the next morning with a, a numbers written down from a game thirty six twelve, and he's like, "Oh, I won." You know. <laughs> it, uh, anyways, yeah, uh, I that's pretty funny. But uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the Las Vegas Open. I'm gonna keep this a little brief, um, mostly because of my voice, and also because uh, you guys also did an amazing job covering everything, um, but. Like I said earlier this year, I I helped run the Las Vegas Open. I, I Reese and Frankie were on the GW stream covering that, so they weren't as available uh, to put out fires and deal with things. Um, and I just kind of want to talk a little bit about some of the controversies, some of the the improvements that Delvio had, um, and and just kind of like a, a general quick uh, state of the LVO twenty twenty. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely can't say everything. I can't answer all the questions just due to businesses and NDAs and stuff like that, but I'll do the best I can. Um, so first off, I ran the Las Vegas Open with Jason this year. That means that I coordinated all the events. 
uh, and the tournament organizers. I helped vendors. I made sure people had internet, made sure people had the supplies and resources they needed to run their respective events. I ran between all three halls continuously. That's the Las Vegas, Las Vegas Ballroom, the Grand Ballroom, and the Skyview Terrace up in the top of the casino. <clears throat> Um, talking, meeting people the entire time. And also on top of all this, I was networking, uh, talking to potential contacts in the future, uh, making, you know, uh, little half deals and, and uh, just general, you know, networking and building relationships, which is also another very important aspect of the LVO uh, that a lot of people um, like to do, right? Because there's so many people at the Las Vegas Open who are influential in the community um, who are good to me. And, you know, maybe you buy them a couple drinks and you talk some basic shop. And that that's how you grow as a company on top of grow as a convention. Um, and all the big cons do it. It's not just not just us. Right, so they're schmoozing and all that stuff, and it was a lot of fun. And this year, uh, my big project was Fantasy Flight Games. So this year, uh, the Fantasy Flight Games rep, Matt Holland, who's a really phenomenal guy, super fun guy, really nice. Um, he showed up and kind of helped out with the Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, and then, for those of you who don't know, FFG Games are X-wing, um, Armada, Star Wars Armada, Star Wars Destiny, Star Wars Legion, and Legend of the Five Rings. Uh, they are basically the other big miniatures game now that privateer press has just flat out refused to compete with 40k um which is a real shame but uh privateer press is uh from what i can see in the secondhand shop um is definitely not the second best top dog to for to games workshop i think it's definitely fantasy flight games um but they're they're huge uh the x-wing had event had individually more than 500 people signed up for it for the the grand championships and then legion was was massive um and we're already working on plans to expanding all those events um so that was my big that was kind of my big deal um was was making sure that went smoothly and for the most part it did however um i'm going to talk about something i'm sure everyone has questions about and that's the best ghost pairings thing um and i'm going to preface all this with saying that i on this podcast i do try to be really positive i don't try to start drama i try to be as honest as i can i try to um kind of keep things lighthearted, uh which is why kind of why i have the intro that i have and and kind of uh you know i just i try not to take it too seriously too dramatic because to me um if i did that it would become more than just a career or a job for me. It would become like a way of life. And to me, that's just a little too intense. Um, especially when I see a lot of other people in the community get caught up in drama and negativity. Um, so having said all that, uh, I am going to be honest about what Best Coast Pairings, what happened. Um, I won't get into the super specifics um, because that is up to them. Although you did see their apology, if you haven't already, it's on the Best Coast Pairings Facebook page. Um, and they, they kind of explain what happened. Um, so I recommend going there and checking it out. And also, if you have any more questions, uh, talk to them. Don't email me or Frontline Gaming um, because we are separate organizations. And that is actually where I'm going to start. Best Coast Pairings and Frontline Gaming partnered years ago. Uh, we, they ran their first big kind of test at the Las Vegas Open. I think the BAO was their first test, but their first huge test was the Las Vegas Open. And um, they've always been there kind of to help us, and we've always been there to help them. Uh, they fostered the 40K stats, and um, I would argue that without BCP, we wouldn't have the Falcon. Yeah, 100%. Uh, 100%. Right. Well, we'd have Australian statistics, and that's it. Right, so. uh, and, and and that's not a knock on Australian statistics, but uh, BCG just, just... We wouldn't have anything just, else. We yeah, would just have just the, like, the six international, events they run. 
Yeah. So it, it's it's just uh, BCP, our relationship with BCP, we're, we're tied very closely to each other. Uh, they are tied directly to the ITC. They manage all of the ITC stats and data that we get. Um, you know, it, it's that's all common knowledge, um, but it's maybe not knowledge that, that people think about very often. So when this year at the LVO, when BCP went down... It not only uh, delayed the 40k champs by two hours, which puts us in a really awful spot, um, it also affected other events that ran BCP as well. Um, so this year in particular, one event that uh, really worried me was the X-Wing event, which was kind of my pride and joy in, in orchestrating with the Fly Better podcast guys. Great group of X-Wing guys. They're, if you enjoy X-Wing, check them out. They're amazing. They put on an amazing job and... Um, uh, BCP crapped out on them too, and it delayed their event by hours. The real issue with that is, is the X-Wing community dislikes Besco's pairings with a burning passion. Think like a star, the Star Wars fans. Like think about all the Star Wars fans that hate on on like the Last Jedi, right? Everyone, right? It's it's it just pile on. Think about like that. Think about that hatred, and then apply it to BCP. It's really really intense and for good reason they have some they have had some issues in the past with bcp running some of their larger events and not performing to some of their other tournament software standards because they have other tournament software like a uh, cryodex and tabletop to so the x-men community already cold towards bcp um I, I as a personal favor to the bcp guys and um uh i asked the x-wing podcasters the guy that's running the x-wing event if they could run best ghost pairings um you know just because best ghost pairings is a sponsor of the lv of the lvo um they they do a lot to help us out and i know there have been they have, have had success in the past as well with the x-wing community so we all kind of thought that if they were to go in there with a good you know showing at an x-wing event um, you know, they would be able to grow as well, and, and the X-Wing community would be able to grow. That was kind of our thought process. That didn't happen. Uh, the, the BCP app crashed. Um, Ryan and D, who were the two TOs, uh, had to scramble and manually pair and and just go through every TO's worst nightmare, which is like calling people for matchups because uh, BCP was frozen and, they, and these people left, so they didn't get the accurate scores. Like, you know, it was just, it was a nightmare. And, um, on top of the 40k champs it's it's very difficult because bcp they're they're friends of ours it, it's very difficult to look at um our relationship with bcp and not question what we're going to do for the future of the itc right um obviously we haven't made a decision yet we have plenty of stuff to think about on top of the lvo however for those of you who are wondering uh yeah it's it's frontline gaming and bcp there are definitely some strains there right it's it's just um it's unfortunate um and that's pretty much all i can say about that uh for the future i don't know i think i'd look for to reese for an official response um however yes bcp crapped crapped out um it hurt us they they definitely apologized and did their best to make it as as good for us as possible however um they they have messed up at the lvo before and it, it's just something that um, I am personally uh, a little disappointed by because uh, they are friends of ours. So that's just that's just honesty. Um, I sincerely hope that uh, that, you know, everything works out OK. Um, and uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you play X-Wing, 
and um, you're worried about, you know, BCP next year, um, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be any FFG events run on BCP, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, I can't promise for sure, because it is up to the TOs ultimately, but it's looking like that's going to be the case there. Um, and then as for the 40k champs, I don't know. Uh, but I do know um, we're looking, everyone's looking at other options now. So, did I, did I miss anything about that, guys? Any questions? popping up on the in the 40k verse that i might have missed no i think anyone who was there understands how difficult it was to deal with that app and uh yeah anyone rational would be justified in seeing what their options are yeah yep so non-committal um but definitely definitely a have to look at other things now um so we have to protect you know our brand and the lvo brand um but Having said all of that, it was an absolutely successful Las Vegas Open for Frontline Gaming. Uh, I can't talk numbers, but um, this was definitely the biggest LVO we've ever had. Uh, and n- there's already plans to grow it next year. Um, next year, it will be held at Bally's again. Uh, I can confirm that. So it won't, it won't be able to expand beyond uh, the grounds that we have now. However, there's tons of room to expand internally. Um we can schedule, you know, with scheduling and room manipulation and all that stuff. So next year it's going to be bigger, better. Uh, I'm going to work to improve on it. Um, hopefully we'll have the same coverage and all that good stuff. So the LVO was still an overall success despite one hiccup uh, and um, everything's okay. And I just hope, end. I I think the only one thing I want to say is that I hope regardless of what decisions are made, that it just makes things better. That's all. Um, yeah. That's because like, um, I deal with the BCP guys occasionally with my stats and everything, and they've always been great to me. It sucks that this happens at the biggest event and that this isn't the first time this has happened at the biggest event that, that you guys hold, that anybody holds, really. Um, but whatever the decisions are, as long as it makes, as long as everybody makes a concerted effort to make like this better, like have a better outcome due to this, then it, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day, I think, to the majority of 40K players. as you know, We just have to keep growing as a community. One thing I want to say, Pablo, uh, for those people that weren't there, is that you are an absolute machine and you don't get paid enough. I hope Reese <laughs> hears that part. There came a point I came back in to replace a battery pack um, on one of the cameras, And as I was setting up, you kind of like stumbled in through a back like janitor door into our office, the little room we were given. You sat down. I think you smashed down probably uh, half of a Monster Energy drink in about half a second, like took a handful of tater tots or something, shoved them in some ranch sauce, shoved them in her mouth. Mouthful, you said, is everything all right in here? And uh, we were like, yeah, we're good. And you were like, great. Sweat pouring down your face. You jumped up, ran back out that janitor door. I still don't know where that goes. Um, Like, that's how on the move you seem to always be. And I was super grateful for all of the help you were able to give us, given how busy you were. Because you were just like a man of action. For a big rhino, like, you you move uh, very gracefully. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks, Peter. Um, uh, It's... It's kind of um, once you, once you're in that position, um, it's it's kind of just instinct. You, you just kind of have to like talk to people, and then when they need something, you just have to give them the thing they need. 
It was awesome. You were you were an absolute uh, just unit. You were a beautiful, beautiful soul, a burning light in the darkness. Oh, oh, and uh, speaking of burning lights in darkness, Jared Hofstetter, Jared, you're a patron. You are you are the man, Jared and Ian, uh, two two people that I can't that I can remember. They were people who volunteered the whole time and helped us out. And I I swear to God, we would not have been able to run the LVO without those two guys. Um, you guys are gods and I hope all the cool swag you got at the end was worth it because it's not nearly enough to make up for the amount of work you guys did that, that I just have to give you guys a shout Aww. out. Jared, no, so- you're great. And I'm sorry Jared, that, man. and I'm sorry that I didn't get to uh, give you a longer hug at the airport. No, he's a really nice guy. He There's, is. He's amazing. Every year we get guys who, who I just like, I meet them and I just like want to cry at how awesome they are. They're just Aww. selfless people who, who just show up and want to make my life easier because they love 40K and they love what we do. That's And that's honestly, that's the, the reason why Peter, Val, myself, a bunch of other guys do what we do and put all these hours in is because of you guys. Uh, you guys listening to this podcast, uh, listening to Stat Center, watching Battle Reports, talking on the GW streams, even you salty guys, even even those of you who, who constantly complain about my intro music or or Sean's voice or or anything all the complaints that I've heard even you guys you guys still add to the interaction yeah and I still appreciate you even you dark angels players um you got like you're, you're all you're all you all have there's like something good about you at your core <laughs> somewhere we just haven't found it yet I'm for some but <clears throat> um <laughs> anyways um yeah so uh that's that's the Las Vegas Open. I highly highly recommend going. Uh, this year this year was phenomenal. Next year's gonna be great. And if you've never uh, been, it's a full on convention now, and it's definitely worth attending. You All guys right. need to get the date for next year slotted like immediately so I can book the I'm time. I'm pretty off. sure it's just gonna be. The, it, it's been with the exception of one year where it was on the Super Bowl, which I still stand by as. The best year because <laughs> it was still it still grew exponentially, and there were people wearing jerseys on Sundays playing in the RTTs like absolutely like, shouting at each other because it was there was a Super Bowl watch party it was great and um and I only think as long as the Super Bowl stays on Sunday and as long as the top eight is on Sunday we'll have people watching the Super Bowl on one phone and watching the stream and the top table on the other phone. And it would be phenomenal. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm into I'm it. Saying I, th- I think I think you know bringing back Super Bowl Sunday, um, but uh, yeah, it'll probably be the same same date it was last year, some the weekend before the Super Bowl. Um, that that seemed to be the consistent one, but I can't I can't know for sure until we you know cross the dot the I's, cross the T's, you know, sign on the dotted line and get all that stuff ready to go. Mm-hmm. All right, so finally. At the end of the Las Vegas Open, we have the stats. That is the thing we will talk about. That is the thing you guys came here for. I know. I know. You're sick of hearing my raspy voice. Let's get to some juicy stats. So, Peter, why don't you give us a rundown of all the good stats and know-hows that you saw and pulled and... Why don't Sean and Brandon react to it while I drink some water and recover? Yes, please. 
Okay. Um, I did write an article for FLG uh, that will someday also be on my own website, uh, 40kstats.com, once uh, Wix fixes uh, any, a bug with it uh, that I'm fighting with them about. But anyway, uh, regardless, um, LVO for me is a big year, a big event for stats. I like I scroll through every list. I grab every unit that I possibly can. I I take copious notes, and I try to put together like as granular detail as possible on everything that happened. Um, the big uh, news, and it shouldn't be news to anyone coming out of LVO, is that yes, Marines are still very good. Um, to the point where you know they're hitting numbers that we've uh, never seen uh, this this well sustained. Um, Marines at the event uh, went; uh, they had a sixty percent win rate, fifty nine point five seven as a whole. If you remove the mirror, they break sixty five percent, and that's all Marines, even the bad ones. Uh, they were not being drugged down at all. Sixty five percent win rate is uh, pretty ridiculous. Um, their average VP per game was a, a little over 25, which uh, was really only beat by Craft World Eldar. Uh, their average opponent's uh, victory points was just over 22, um, which no one uh, comes close to. They just don't give up points like any other army. Um, they made up 27% of the meta uh, in terms of primary lists. There were 204 of the 754 players that actually played a game um at uh, at LVO so like they they were everywhere that that's that's the big news and when you break it down further um Iron Hands and Raven Guard definitely came out on top uh, they essentially had the best statistics of of any factions and really there were 91 Iron Hands players which was you know one and a half times any other faction period um that that showed up Raven Guard there were 34 still so they make up essentially the same part of the pie as most large factions as well um is there anything in particular people want to hear about that's not in my article or just want me to cover from the article cuz there's a lot here and I could talk for hours hmm I thought the article was really good I didn't have any lingering questions about it what and, other factions are kind of sitting below Marines? Because obviously no one else really comes particularly close. No. Uh, I believe that Craft Worlds have been fielding some pretty good numbers. Yes. Um, wh where do other sort of Xenos and uh, Chaos factions sit? So going into the LVO, the big, um, the big numbers were... Um, Space Marines, Craft World Eldar, which for the last about month and a half, uh, essentially once uh, their Psychic Awakening book uh, kind of came into full bore, um, have been running similar numbers to Marines um, when that mirror match isn't taken into account. So they've been sitting at like a 58, 59% win rate as well. And then mm -hmm. Admech. Admech uh, going into the LVO was super hot. They were at about a 54% win rate. Um, the rest of their numbers also pretty solid. They weren't winning any events, um, unlike uh, Craft Worlds, uh, which was pulling off a couple smaller GTs here and there. Um, but LVO, um, Craft Worlds stayed hot, 56% win rate. They definitely did well. Uh, Admech got smashed. Uh, they sat at about a 45, hmm. most of, uh, actually below 45%, um, which is, you know, on par with how Tau did. Um, Blood Angels also in that like 50, uh, 44, 45% win rate, uh, Sisters of Battle. 
Um, they really didn't do too well at all. They got they got wrecked. Um, the surprise faction in terms of normal statistics was actually Necrons. Um, they had almost uh, they had a almost a fifty five percent win rate themselves, fifty four point nine one percent. Um, the mirror doesn't boost them that much when you remove it because there's only so many of them there. But mm-hmm. like, still, they put up a 60 wins, uh, 49 losses, and three draws. They had a guy go five and zero. Oh, um, yes. Almost made it to the top. Uh, almost made it to the top 12 with Euless Anders, who was on stream. So, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, like uh, Necrons, I think were the surprise. There's a couple other factions that were above 50, percent but they had very little. Um, uh, representation uh, like Thousand Sons, Gene Stealer Cults, Death Watch, uh, Harlequins. There were only five players that played Harlequins as kind of like their primary. Um, I someone mentioned that in the in my stats article like that I brought that up, but I also brought up multiple times that there were only five of them uh, because <laughs> one guy or two guys in those uh, in those uh, factions have a good uh, tournament and all of their numbers spike right. Um, yeah. But same uh, reason you can't lean on like the numbers for like Inquisition or whatever. Exactly, like, like so few people. That <laughs> yeah, like absurd. Trevor. Uh, which, by the way, Trevor Pearson, I believe. Uh, good on you for going two and four with a, a an Inquisition list. Um, I mm-hmm. believe you did fix it and remove those ambles. So so cool beans on uh, actually having a legal list too going into the event. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there were any surprises to me outside of Necrons and how poorly Admech did. Um, the Raven Guard numbers being as high as they were did raise an Oof. eyebrow. That yeah. uh, average first round loss of three point one three. I've never seen anyone, even Anari pre nerf, um, wasn't at a three point one three. Wait, so so the average so the average Raven Guard player went three and zero before they before they lost. They got past three and zero. Yeah, the average. average. And the oh. average, if if it was literally a fifty fifty chance of winning every game, the average. Uh, loss should be 1.9. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I've noted for people um, time and again is if I see a faction get 2.0 or or around that, they're generally in a good spot. Um, and if we look at the data for average round loss, um, you know, uh, Sisters, 2.1. That's a really solid number. Blood Angels were a 2. Um, Death Watch, 2.3. Once again, very few players, so scratch that. Um Imperial Fists 2.2, uh, that's not bad. I think Imperial Fists do have some some pretty gross uh, lists, but they were kind of overshadowed by Iron Hands and Raven Guard. Salamanders had a 2.14. So, you know, like, there's some, some decent stuff in here, but then you'll look at um, Iron Hands and Raven Guard. Raven Guard 3.13. Like I said, never seen anything like that. That's uh, the highest I've ever seen pre this LVO. Uh, was pre-nerf Inari when they were absolutely stupid had a 2.9 for like a month. Um, uh, what about the Castle list? Did you ever get that? I I did. It was about a 2.85 for oh the, the Castellan list. Um, yeah. So like th- that's crazy. Um, Iron Hands 2.91, or uh, when it was all said and done, also uh, scary. Particularly considering there were you know 91 of them at the event. Um, so to that's put more... out those numbers. That's more cast than the castle list the year prior year. Uh, it's a, it's about the same. The year before, well, the quote unquote castle list. Yes, there were ninety. Yeah, the... There were ninety eight castellans and ninety seven lists last year at LVO. Oh, okay. So, um, but 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 this is keep in mind. Raven Guard is just a supplement of yeah. of a of a of a larger codex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of T Whip, 
Um, Iron Hands had 31%, so 31% of the lists that went 4-0 and before they took their first loss, um, one in three of them uh, were Iron Hands. And they made up twelve percent of the meta, so they almost had a they had a two point six to one ratio of like T whip to list percentage, which is, it's it's that's something that I usually would point out as there's a problem with a faction that only has three percent of the meta, like Gene Stealer cults. The fact that they're twelve percent, like they shouldn't. There comes a point where when you look at that ratio, there's just too many people, and you shouldn't see that kind of a number. Uh, mm-hmm. But they they just kept they keep pushing out those things, and I mean it doesn't help that you know that Broviathan list as uh, people are calling it existed, and so many of them went five and one. Um, yep. I think it had an eighty seven percent win rate that particular list over the nine people that played it. Jesus, um, that's nuts. Which, admittedly, is significantly influenced by the fact that there are nine extremely talented people playing that list. Yeah, but for sure. Even so, that is still an insane number. Um, outside of like Raven Guard, Iron Hands, I think the the big winners from a uh, outside uh, out uh, from a uh, like a success rate, the biggest one for me is Chaos Space Marines because if you look at their overall win rate, if you look at um, how they did going into like the top twelve, um, it, it it doesn't look good on paper, but they did have almost a twelve percent T whip, right? They did have. Um, like six players essentially uh, that got to four and zero before they had their first loss, and that Lord of Skulls list um, actually performed better than the Possessed Bomb. Um, and the Possessed <laughs> Bomb, Possessed Bomb was the the list that I think a lot of people gra- uh, gravitated to, but I think it's a far more uh, finesse list uh, than people played it as. Right, there were twenty two Possessed yeah. Bombs at LVO. Um, but if you watch TJ Lanigan or Mark Perry p- play that list, it is significantly different than uh, Tom Bilberry from Milwaukee, um, who who just wants to you know he wants to rush everything into your face and doesn't realize like they they fold like a wet paper bag. Is that an actual person you called out? No, I, I wouldn't do okay. that. I only call out <laughs> I only call out you know very bad or very good players. And I was I gonna say know. they must have been a Dark Angels player or something. <laughs> You're running possessed. I mean, it makes sense. Chaos based means. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so like Chaos Marines, at least from a Tiwa perspective, did very well. So it meant they're like the good players still figured out how to play them. Um, but, you know, they struggled on the, the other stats. Like their win rate wasn't very good. First round loss, 1.89, which Brandon said is kind of what you would expect for like an average uh, 50-50 win rate. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can go into units. I can talk about more factions. So- it's... I think um, one thing, if you read the Goonhammer article, because they went uh, a slightly yeah. different route than I did, uh, you can see Forces of the Hive Mind performed very well. Um, so mixed lists uh, of Gene Stealer Cults and Nids. Uh, I, since I break them out by primary faction, it, it doesn't look as good. I mean, Gene Stealer Cults still had a, like a 55% win rate. Uh, Tyranids have uh, like a 50% going into this event, uh, after this event. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is good. Uh, Tyranids had been like a thirty-five for forever, so it shows that PA did better for them than I think some people thought. Um, it also helped that I think people have kind of started to figure out lists that work into Marines. Um, for Nids, you're seeing a lot more uh, Hive Guard coming back when they had kind of mostly disappeared from a lot of lists uh, up to now. Yeah. The Exocrine shows up in basically every Tyranid list because it just puts out a billion shots now. 
Um, good old Mally was everywhere. Uh, so it was like Pablo's worst nightmare. I think there was like nine or ten Mallys at there, the event. There were a lot. I, I remember seeing one in particular, and the and, guy looked and at me. Passed out. He's like PD Pop, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. And then we looked down at the Malicepto at the same time, just burst out laughing. <laughs> so like. There is some good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There are some shining lights outside of just how terrifying Marines were at the event. Yeah, so so I do I do have a question actually. Um, so back to the Necrons, how much do you think their success is off of, based off of just players being really good Necron players, or Necrons actually having tools to counter Space Marines? I think a lot of it is. Um, the the skill caliber of of the players. Um, when you look at the players that did well with Necrons, these are people that have been playing them all season, consistently yep. well. Um, they figured out a list that worked, and then when Marines became ridiculous, they made the modifications to make the list work into Marines. Um, if you talk to Ulysses Anders, his big thing was, I just needed to go first. Um, he built a, like, he even contacted me pre-event and was like, can you tell me, do you know what the average amount of drops are in a list? Because I want to make sure I have less than that to, you know, (laughs) give myself an even better chance of going first in my matches. And I was like, well, it's like 14.6, I believe was the number I had for him. And so he's like, well, then I got to make sure I got less than that. And as long as I can Mm -hmm. do that, um, I have a chance. That's where we're at now, by the way, is these Falcon doing these backroom stats deals, for whatever, you know, I don't <laughs> it's not, judge. It's not a deal. Uh, anybody can <laughs> message me, and as long as I don't think your question is really stupid, I'll answer it. And even if it's really <laughs> stupid, I'll I'll try to make you feel like you were you were doing a good thing. Is this um, like those Vegas signs where they say the girls come to your room? And <laughs> it, just it's maybe anyways. A little, maybe. <laughs> but, it's. I, I think also just to sort of chime in on the the Necrons. I mean, Illus is a, a really good player. Uh, I've been talking with him about his list for quite a while now, and he's been working really hard to make Necrons do what they can do. But they also have a couple tools, specifically the uh, the Doom Scythe uh, explosion that they can do that can really punish some of the bubble-based lists that we're seeing these days. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, all of these armies that want to stick nine characters within two inches of each other and then put the whole rest of their army around that, uh, and Necrons can absolutely destroy that. Yeah, and um, I mean... Yeah. Uh, we talk about Ulysses, um Antonio Cedeno, who had been number one oh, Necrons yeah. going into it. He, um, he's got he's got big brain moves. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Tempe also super great. Um, yeah. Like there there are a lot of high quality Necron players out. Well, there are a handful of high quality Necron players out there, <laughs> and they they can carry the team pretty well. Um, well, because everyone else has given up on them at this point. So it's yeah, like it's, it's five really good players, three people who didn't get the memo. And <laughs> and I mean, there's a reason I think Imatech the Stormlord shows up in that like top 25 oh, units yeah. I did uh, for um, for the like win rates for units at the event uh, because uh, he he do work. He had like I think lists that brought him had like a 64 percent win rate or something silly compared to uh, mm-hmm. most others. So. <laughs> So, Peter, uh, no, I don't think you can answer this question right away. But another question I have is, uh, how was every faction or every codex represented in the top 100 or in the 5-1 and one players? So last year, if you remember Thelvio, mm. every single faction was represented in some form, Ooh. with Blood Angels being the only faction uh, that didn't have a primary. Uh, every let's single not faction- forget 
you know, they minor all... factions because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm imperial counting, agents were I'm not, not in the top imperial, 100. I'm not counting imperial agents as a... <laughs> every real codex... Ooh, um, Pablo, Pablo. What about my sisters in silence? Is so sad. Uh, they are part of Imperial yeah. Agents. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I think even an Imperial Agents player made. I'm pretty sure someone with Imperial Agents made. But you know what? They're assassins everywhere. That counts. They're Imperial Agents. <laughs> Definitely someone with assassins went five and one. So ha, take that, Sean. Well, I will say, um, Goonhammer actually did that uh, number, so I didn't because I was like, ah, oh, they hit it for me. Uh, but if you want it, it, it'll only take me two shakes to get you that data. A um, couple clicks. A couple clicks. I did create a filter specifically for that mm. because that's the kind of guy I am right now. Yeah. So <laughs> last episode, I predicted that there would not be every code. Like there, there would actually be a few codexes that weren't represented that didn't go five and one this year. Because of Space Marines, because of how over-centralizing they are. Gotcha. Um, Who did you think? Who did you think did, had nobody? Uh, so I, I thought we wouldn't see a single Tyranid player go 5-1. I, okay. I think I'm wrong. I was 100% wrong on that. Yeah, we had two. Um, I, I also did not think a single Space Wolf player would go 5-1. And, and I also did not think a single um, Orc player would go 5-1. Oh, I would have um, said Grey Knights. Uh, well, Grey Knights, uh, yeah, I, I mean... That goes without question. There were no Chaos Demon players um, as our primary that went five and one. Uh, They did have, there were five people that brought them as like sub detachments. They were in five lists. Um, There were no primary Death Guard, unless you count TJ Lanigan. His list was mostly Chaos Space Marines, but there's enough of a mix there that you might be like, well, TJ's kind of a Death Guard guy. (laughs) Harlequins, um, even though they did have a high win percentage, their best was a four and two. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. Imperial Knights had nobody as a primary oh go five and one. Renegade uh, Space Knights, Wolves. Though. Renegade Knights did have one, yep. Um, and Space Wolves had nobody that uh, went five and one, at least oh, from like, the big codexes. Wow, that's that's actually yeah. a far cry from last year's. Last year's, it was very clear. There was like even like a random Grey Knight player, you know, and um, it it's uh, definitely less diverse, which is yeah. a shame. I mean, of the lists that went five and one, um, like forty of them were Space Marines. So they made up almost half. So like, yeah, that's just how it's going to be. More of one book means fewer I, of others. I will that's say I need to give a kudos uh, to a couple people. If you if you can just give me a second, um, the first one I'm going to give a kudos to is uh, Anthony Birdsong because he went five and one with orcs, and he only played uh, Space Marines. Um, mm-hmm. at LVO so all six of his games against Space Marines so that's a big one um, and you know what rather than me look through the rest I just like any, but any of you that played six games against uh, Space Marines even if you did it went 0-6 I'm proud of you I'm so proud <laughs> I hope you feel good and See, have a peanut butter sandwich on me well I mean they probably don't feel good because they played six games against Space Marines uh, it, so but they yeah. have so many different I'm sorry, chapters friends. I'm sure every game was different I want to meet the guy who didn't play a single Space Marine player the whole LVO. I'm sure there's one person who didn't play a single Space Marine player. I'm guessing that person also has a less than average record. They probably are 0 and 6, but I want to hear from you. The guy who's just like, man, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't see any Space Marines. He's just having a good time. But anyways. Just just hanging out, living the dream. (laughs) Bottom bottom tables for life. Yeah, living living the dream of 0-5 and 1. Hey, that's a dream that someone has to live, and, yeah, and it's if, true. And if it's you went oh five and one every time, 
<laughs> and if you went 05 and 1 and you just had a great time, like even better. Yeah. Um, I mean, John Lennon you played, what, six Space Marines as well, but he also played eight rounds, so uh, you're a loser, John. Thank you Whoa. for ruining. Well, listen, I picked him to win it all because he deserved it after, you know, uh, being outshone by Siegler, and then he goes and loses because that one, like, scout matrixes everything in the last <laughs> round of his game against Brad Chester. <laughs> by the way, Brad Chester is the most awesome person, and uh, I was I was okay when that happened. Um, just because it was such a, a cool ending to that story. Um, actually, I think Anthony Birdsong was literally the only person that played only Marines uh, at uh, at the event, because I'm huh. just looking through my data now. There were a lot of people that played them four or five times, but to get all six, that's an achievement. He got the Hex Tepla? Yeah. I don't know. Yep. So, <laughs> so, yeah, just looking through it, I only see the one name show up six times, so good. <laughs> Anyone five and one. Uh, I guess the secret for orcs to beat marines is to take three hundred bodies, surround three um, shock attack guns, and nothing else. Like just hope your shock attack guns win the lottery time after time. I mean, shock attack guns are still really good. Yeah, they are still fantastic. If if Jeff Poole had played only space marines, he probably would have won the whole thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, that <laughs> was probably the most depressing of the shadow round games. When yeah, Alex- that was. When Alex that Petford was, uh, only only killed twenty orcs or twenty one orcs with all of his shooting, because yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff Poole's five ups were out of this world, uh, and then it was like, well, I guess that's the game. Like yeah. only wow. more, only made more disappointing by the top eight when we wake up in the morning and Sean Nate and and Jeff Poole, the two non space ring players, are paired up round one of the top eight. That yeah. was awful. Yeah. Yeah. But it's at least it, at least it made sure though. that one Xenos made it to the top four. Think about it that way. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Whatever, Peter. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, uh, so uh, Brandon and Sean, are there any questions you guys had for Peter about stats, anything like that? No, he did a great job summarizing the Eldar performance, the Chaos performance, and the Space Marine performance. So I'm happy. Yeah, I think he he hit pretty much all the points that I was curious about. And right. too many intercessors. We have to stop. Oh. Oh. Belisarius Call needs to slow down or there's not going to be a 40k universe anymore. The Grim Dark's How over. How many intercessors were there just out of curiosity? 3077. Oh my gosh. There were hey. more intercessors than any other unit um the, at the LVO. But I don't know not... the final numbers yet, but that might be an intercessor for every single person who walked in through the doors. At the <laughs> yeah. Just take an intercessor model. But let's let's take the high point here. There are not more intercessors at LVO than there are intercessors in the 40k universe. Yes, because that yes. would have been that could have been hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that was funny. one day was next funny. LVO. Yeah, I, we're getting close, honestly. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, real quick thoughts on the top eight, how it all shook out, uh, starting with uh, Peter. It was great. I got to watch all of the games um, in person, and I th- I think there were amazing narratives told uh, throughout the entire series, and uh, I can't ask for anything more. Uh, the Chester versus Lennon game was spectacular. Uh, Siegler versus Lois, having Lois uh, have two of his uh, Scorpius blow up and deal, uh, I think, 32 mortal wounds uh, to his whole army. Um, Like, who cares about the remainder of the game? That's just a fun story to tell people. Um, (laughs) 
like all of the games in that top eight were incredible. They and from really good performers uh, that put on good shows. Like it was, I think amicable, amicable across the board. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Nothing else to say there. Sean and Brandon. Um, I actually had such a fantastic time at LVO with my opponents. I had six incredibly good opponents at LVO, and um, that's what keeps you coming back is when you have a fun time like that. So really thankful that it went the way it did. All right. Yeah, I I had a good time in a lot of my games. Um, I think that everyone who made it into the top eight is obviously a, a fantastic player and played some really good games with zero drama, which is also a big plus. I think that a lot of that stuff has kind of been ironed out of the, the, the top levels at this point, which is nice to see. Um, personally, I just, I don't really like Marines that much. So seeing a game that is basically just all Marines all the time is kind of disheartening to me. Uh, but that's not the player's fault. That's they, they bring the armies that win, they play with what's good, and they obviously did an amazing job with what they had. I'm, I'm kind of with you a little, Sean. Um, I, I don't necessarily care about, um, you know, Marines only. Um, I more care about like over centralization of games and, and having that ruin the entertainment quality. Sure. Um, I, I, I do think absolutely that this year's top eight um, was filled with more close, intriguing matchups than last year's top eight. However, I think last year's finals game was a lot better than this year's finals game. Agreed. Um, so much so that um, I think that uh, when you compare them, they're both about equal. I don't think you can say which which LVO is better or worse than the other from entertainment quality, uh, not from a not from a, a you know statistics or anything other quality, just purely entertainment focused. Um, one thing I really wished I, I uh, to see was a Cinderella story like Jeff Poole or even Sean Naden um, go all the way to the finals uh, to <laughs> give us something you know truly magical that that all everyone could root for. You know, um, but instead we kind of got like Tom Brady in the Super Bowl again. Woo. Right. Um, well, I mean, something. that's what happens when you have a faction that is this ridiculously dominant. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, next year I'll just have to manipulate it so that, you know, it's more entertaining in the finals. Oh, no. no I'm, I'm just joking. I Not can't like do this, that. Pablo. Not it's, like this. If, if I had the power to do that, actually, I would have done it for this LVO. <laughs> for sure but would have put Jeff Poole in the finals somehow <laughs> just crowbar all his opponents <laughs> yeah just go in there and drill holes in the casino dice and give them to his opponents or something. I don't know anyways Drone joking aside crashing down yeah um, every year I, I always wish for an entertaining show uh, and this year I think it was still really entertaining um, but it wasn't perfect uh, which is kind of what I always kind of sh- shoot for it's a perfectly entertaining score with heroes and villains and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I also agree with Sean. I think there was not a lot of drama. Um, there's definitely some drama. I'm, I am I definitely got emailed about it and personal private messaged. It always happens every year. Um, so there was definitely some drama, but it's, it's what you would expect out of a tournament where you have, you know, all these players from all these different backgrounds. Uh, and then on top of that, players with, with you know... Um, villains we'll just call them um who are not necessarily bad guys 
uh, but they do have reputations in the 40k community, and so when they play in these tournaments, they got a bit of a magnifying glass on them, and so um, any little thing they do will be talked about by the collective internet 40k competitive community, um, which I think only adds to the drama and the intrigue. So, yeah, it was overall really good. I, I really had a lot of fun. Also, congratulations, Richard Siegler. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Pablo Isori called you the Tom Brady of uh, 40K. No, I called I'm your sure. faction the Tom Brady. You're the Bill Belichick. <laughs> and we will say whoa, his hold faction. On, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're right. He's, yeah. Bill Belichick doesn't have the best reputation. You, Richard Siegler, you are the Patriots player that everyone loves. I don't. I can't think of any any of them. You're the Wes Welker of the Patriots. He's the um, he's America's sweetheart. Let's <laughs> he's just, great. He's awesome. America's sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh joking aside um what a great rookie season for richard siegler literally his first year playing competitive 40k and and becoming the itc champion that's phenomenal yeah. yep now now yeah. he just has to do it again oh he will he's, he's he's coming back there's there's no way i don't think he i don't i don't know if he's going to repeat i, I wouldn't bet against him uh there's so many great players that play this game consistently now um, and it's grown to the point where I think we'll always have these same consistent players until they officially announce some sort of retirement or something. Then everyone will know that they're they're not playing anymore. Um, or you'll see them in judging events like Matt Root, who um, who still even played some games this year. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm super excited for that. So let's let's go into the final bit of the podcast, which is the future of the ITC and the future of competitive 40k and uh, what what are your thoughts about um, next year? Who who are some of your favorites to watch out for? Um, what do you think is going to happen after the Adepticon FAQ? Just kind of like uh, talk about that. Uh, starting with Sean. Um, I mean, I don't even want to try and call the next season in terms of who's going to come out on top. Uh, like you said, there's there's so many really really good players out there that it. It's entirely up in the air at this point. I, I would not even try to call out who's going to make the, the top spots there. Um, in terms of where the game is going to go, I, I'm i afraid that what they're going to do is kind of like they did with the Castellan, where we're going to see a round of FAQs and nerfs to Space Marines that are not enough to really pull them out of the top spot um and then we're going to basically be sitting on another nine or ten months of space marine dominance um i would love for that not to be the case but given the way they have handled some of this stuff in the past i have a bad feeling that may be what's going to go on um, and that's especially true because space marines have such a diverse set of lists that are all very very powerful um, that it's not going to be easy to bring them all into check with just one or two simple FAQs. All right, Peter. Um, I think there is so much talk going on on the dark web about another edition coming that we're going to see that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to drastically change. I would like to think it's not going to drastically change how the game is played, but it might make it different enough that we'll see some new bodies uh, show up. Um, so 
in the in in those like top ten ITC. I think Brohammer is still in it to win it, um, and they've got the they've definitely got the stuff. Um, Nick Nanavati, I believe this next year will be his year to come back. Uh, not that he performed poorly this year, um, but with him joining the, like Team Obey Alliance or whatever they call themselves, um, and uh, all of the extra things that we're seeing done on the like professional side of 40k, quote unquote, um, I I would I wouldn't be surprised if you see Nick have another uh, have like a, a comeback year if we could even call it that. Um, because that's his job now and uh now that he's on a team in particular it's just going to focus him even more and we probably won't see him do any more like yolo white scars lists three days before a super major event uh, and try to <laughs> try to take it that way um yeah that's all like if we do see a new edition i think it, it could change everything um and i think we do need to speed the edition up a little bit um for a number of yep. reasons um, and then as as to Space Marines, I think Sean's right. I think we'll see some very small – well, I shouldn't say small. We'll see something that I think uh, a portion of the populace will think is way too much, and then everybody else will realize it wasn't enough because there are so, so many layers to this. And I want to be yeah. wrong. I want to be super wrong. I want them to fix everything in one fell swoop. Um, but I just I feel that, that they're too scared that it will break their their, their baby and they won't be able to fix it. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean. Like it's because uh, space yeah. marines are are the the big one, and if you go too aggressive and you put them back in a place they were uh, six months ago, um, GW doesn't want that yeah. either. So yeah, but let's also remember that where they were six months ago was not that bad. Like space marines were obviously not top dog, but it's not like they were trash bin dumpster fire either. No. But they had like one list, and that's what they were relying on. And I guess, I guess that's, that's most the, factions. Yeah, but we'll <laughs> see. That I just I don't like. I'm afraid that they'll they'll hit Iron Hands and Raven Guard because of how knee jerk reactions work with GW, and then Imperial yep. Fists will be absolutely dominant, and we'll have an issue there. Um, yep. Or you know they'll hit everything, but so lightly that um, it, it, we get more of the same. Anyway, yeah. All right, Brandon. Um, so just as a note. Everything that I'm saying is 100% speculation at this point. Um, but what I'd say is that I agree that Games Workshop has a lot invested in Space Marines being good. They're the flagship of the Games Workshop brand. And if they're not good, it's going to hit the bottom line too hard for GW's liking. So I don't think they're going to allow that to happen. Otherwise, I also think that their Psychic Awakening as a concept has been very good for selling new books and creating awesome storylines and has also had a negative impact on the competitive meta for exactly the thing I said earlier, which was be very careful about putting multiple good abilities on one unit that all stack mm -hmm. with each other. If they're mutually exclusive, like your unit can move really fast, but it also can't do as much damage if it does that well now it's you're you're trading things one for another it adds a level of depth to the game that's really fun sometimes but abilities that stack on the same unit and there's no choice of the matter it's just your unit is better here you go that's dangerous to the to balance of the game so be very careful games workshop when you're doing that otherwise my prediction is 
we'll have to wait and see what happens if or when Ninth Edition lands. I think that will totally change the balance of the game, is my prediction. And I have no idea how that will change the game, but I'm sure that it will have a massive impact. And the things that are good today will not be good tomorrow. So, well said. Um, one final thing I want to add to all of that great, great conversation was um, basically, I think we'll see a lot more players come out of, uh, not retirement, but come back into the fold. Uh, think like Alan P.J. Pants this year at LVO, Tony Grappondo, um, maybe Ben Moley, uh, just really good players who, who've taken a step away for whatever reason. Um, I think we might start to see that some of them come back just because 40k and competitive 40k is growing. Also, we had this weird phenomenon in 7th edition where it was a super unbalanced edition. However, for really hardcore competitive players, it was a great edition. They, like I constantly heard co- hardcore competitive players go, eh, the game sucks, it's not very balanced right now, but I'm having an absolute blast because it the hardcore competitive side was really, really uh, intense and gritty and tactically, you know, to an extent, um, Battle Company being one of the few exceptions, was a tactically uh, rewarding for really, really good players. Um, so I think we might start to see a little bit of that, and I kind of saw a little bit of that at this year's LVO uh, with a couple players who switched to Space Marines and kind of adopted the netlist. Um, but we also saw really tactically fulfilling games that we saw in the top eight, which which proves that even in a di- in a not diverse meta, uh, you can still be a really really good player um, and and have the tools to be other really really good players and have really compelling games. Um, so uh, I think we'll see that. And the reason why I, big reason I think we'll see that is I think like Peter said, I think GW is going to. And not holistically nerf Space Marines and target things like Raven Guard specific strats or Iron Hand specific strats. And what that's going to leave is a bit of like a power vacuum that's going to get replaced by Psychic Awakening, really powerful Psychic Awakening stuff, right? So what we'll get is instead of Space Marines dominating, we'll get like Imperial Fists or, or some other specific supplement dominating on top of Eldar doing really well and maybe Grey Knights or some other faction that Psychic Awakening boosts up. And so instead of having the big one Big Bads faction, we'll have like the Big Bad 3 or 4, which is what 7th edition was. Um, And uh, I think people will still complain until there's a new edition, uh, but that will make all the best competitive players come out on top of the all the amazing coverage and growth that competitive 40k has seen. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm not saying that's good or bad, but I, that's just kind of how I predict and how I see everything's going from just my experience of with 40k so far. All right. So Peter saved the end of the episode by asking the patrons to ask questions because I forgot to put a Facebook post about oh. it. So we are... You're the devil. <laughs> we're, we're going to the end of the episode now. Um... Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, you know, over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. If you want to support the podcast, if you want to help buy me some cough drops to get rid of this bad voice. Anyways, uh, Peter, why don't you take it away? What do the patrons, what questions do the patrons have for us to answer? Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, first question 
And uh, according to Nick here, it's uh, Nick Mead. It's the most important and divisive. Uh, which do you prefer, crunchy or smooth? And I'm assuming this is in reference to peanut butter, um, because anything else is disgusting. Um, Nick. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. We're not rolling out granola. You you eat smooth, smooth granola? granola? Uh, yeah, and yogurt. What? Let's Pop-o. go with smooth? peanut butter is amazing, however you decide to eat it. Oh, Brandon. Brandon. You of all people. I love it. Um, I love me some smooth peanut butter. I want that stuff stuck to my mouth, and I don't want to choke on it later. I'm a smooth Um, guy myself. But that's me. I don't know. Skipping Uh, ahead. Strong strong opinion. Crunchy peanut butter. (laughs) Brandon is like, no more of this. This is garbage. Also, what's your favorite sandwich? Definitely peanut butter banana sandwich. Oh, my God, Brandon. Mm. We're brothers. It's like we're twins. Peanut peanut butter banana is my jam. For those of you 90s kids who watched, who remember Face from Nickelodeon, who introduced me to the peanut butter and banana sandwich. Uh, Elvis Presley introduced it to me. Um, Okay. Just, you can grill it. Um, I've put bacon on it in the past. By the way, don't, um, because you'll die (laughs) later. Like, it takes years off of your life. Um, But, oh, man, a peanut butter and banana sandwich. I could eat that all day. Otherwise, he actually asked a real question, which was, what was the biggest hurdle you guys had to overcome last weekend, and how did you overcome it? See, that's a really good question. I'll start off while you guys are humming and hawing. My biggest hurdle that I had to overcome, other than my dice, was um, having an army that could not go toe-to-toe with the opposing army, and the way I overcame it was going second staying out of line of sight as much as possible, using reserves, um, and not giving up. So even though most of my army was off the table, I kept going, and I did end up pulling that game off by a point, but it could have easily gone to my opponent. So biggest hurdle? Imperial Fists. Mm. Mine was managing Val and Peter and our you know communal relationship. Oh, yeah, we were friends. divas. We were hard yeah. divas. It was um, <laughs> it was tough. You know, you had to manage their emotions, you know, some needs, things like that. But um, you know, I got through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, mine. I mean, like when everything went went wrong uh, on the stream, I'm sure that was a hurdle that was probably the most difficult. But I didn't resolve that. I let everybody else do that hard work. My biggest hurdle that I had to resolve was on Saturday night. Around 1 in the morning, I should be in bed because I have to wake up early for the uh, top eight. Uh, but I wanted to do something because of the shadow round. I'm sitting in the bar with Val and Paul Murphy and Ace Face. Mr. Hickton comes up to me and says, Peter, you're coming with me to the nugget. And I had to make a decision. Did I want to probably die that night in old Las Vegas um, but have a good time doing it? Or did I want to somehow sneak back into my hotel room? And um, I made the right choice. I distracted Ace Face by pointing at the bar um, because I think Adam Solis was over there. And then I ran for my life. And I mean, I was, I had had a little (laughs) bit to drink. So it was more like a stumble fall. Um, But I made it. I got back. I woke up in time for the top eight. Uh, We weren't late. It was, that was, it was a rough night. It was a rough night. And it would have been way worse because Ace Face is a monster. He's an absolute monster. 
<laughs> he he is like the the like the devil on your shoulder, but all the time, and he looks like a halfling, and I love him. He has a really good smile too. Oh man, like, he, he like it lights it up. It disarms the night. you. <sighs> anyway, like like the Cheshire Cat almost. Just yes. Like... Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Sean. To you. Um, I would say my biggest hurdle was playing against Space Marines, and the way I overcame it was by losing to Space Marines. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Some good quality life advice there. It, you know, it worked for me. All right. Uh, next, patron Owen wants to know, what has been the best overall feedback on the top 100 table terrain layouts? Uh, not the predetermined deployments, but the actual terrain used. Um Owen, I think the best feedback we got was keep doing it. Oh my gosh. Can I just say that the top 100 terrain is so much better than the not top 100 terrain? Like, we need to do it more often. Yeah, um, I think I think I like the idea that the top 100 tables were all the same, but also there was still diversity. Um, it, I think it added a little extra dynamic to the tournament that that we all kind of enjoyed. Um, so far, I haven't heard any real complaints other than um, why are we using ITC train? I think that's the main complaint I've heard, um, which is, of course, it's to sell terrain. That's it. There's no other reason. It's not because it's no functional or anything. Um, yeah, I actually was pretty positive about the terrain this year. Um, there have been some other times where I was not entirely satisfied with the with some of the table setups, but I did not run into any problems this time. And the couple of times I played on the top 100 tables, uh, I felt that the, the terrain setups mostly worked. I think most people agree that the Dawn of War setup is still a little bit problematic, but other than that, I feel like they, they do what they're intended to do pretty well. Yeah, the Dawn of War one is the one where neither player gets the ruin in their deployment zone, right? Yes, yeah, and it's got some some line of sight and cover issues and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I heard the, the kind of the same uh, complaints about Dawn of War slash, you know, love for the concept. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys carry it through um, in future events and maybe expand it a little more uh, because you guys have a number of terrain setups. I know it's a lot of work, um, but possibly doing that at a, at a grander scale might be worth it. Um, yeah. You want to go to the next question here? It looks like Owen Bissell wants to talk about Steve Pamperine's uh, suggested ITC secondary changes. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Take it away. So, um, you know what? That's not my specialty. Sean and uh, Brandon, have you had a chance to look at that proposed uh, um, ITC changes uh, packet that uh, uh, Steve Pamperine posted on? Uh, uh, I can't remember. It's been posted almost everywhere at this point. A lot of people think mm. it's real, but it's not. It Well, it's it's Steve and a few other uh, competitive players yeah. kind of putting together it's, some it's ideas. It's not ITC doing it. It's Pamperine and some friends doing it. For sure. And um, I did have some thoughts on it. Um, mm -hmm. I thought it was a little aggressive on things like Kingslayer because it would yeah. make the tank commander or equivalent literally four points, even if it's not your warlord, which doesn't seem right. Um, but there was a lot of stuff that I felt was good. So, for example, um, the restriction for not having maps where all the objectives are always in the deployment zone. So you have some... Uh, neutral objectives in every game, which is mm -hmm. actually a cool spot because it encourages you to leave your deployment zone. 
or punishes you yeah. for not doing so, which is great. Um, I also liked some of the changes when it came to Reaper, making uh, two wound models count for double in the age of the Intercessor Marine. Yes. Um, There's definitely. I also I don't appreciated like that, that uh, the flyer keyword or the flyer battlefield role. Uh, could not score things like recon anymore, or even behind enemy lines, which I felt was justified considering that those models are not supposed to be able to score objectives, so why are they scoring secondaries? I I may be a bit biased there, but I feel like we've already punished flyers plenty enough. Um, stacking another thing on there is like, well, you see, these are objectives, so you shouldn't be able to score them. It's like, cool, as long as I don't count for big game hunter, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I actually appreciated Big Game Hunter going to 6 power level instead of 7 as well. Or marked for death, you mean? Uh, yes, that was it. Yeah. yeah. The, I did... Sorry, go ahead, John. I was going to say, suggesting that they let you, that, that you can take the same objective more than once, I do not like. That feels weird to me. Yeah, that yeah. felt weird to me too. And that was when they actually pulled as well, I believe, with some ITCOs. Oh, yeah, ITCTOs. I haven't seen all the, the updated versions. Um, yeah, that one is, a that's an interesting one that was brought up by some people. I don't think that's going to fly. Um, mm -mm. It's, it's a little, I understand the thought process. A lot of this is to try to hurt Marines more, since it's, it is hard to score secondaries against them now. Um, yeah. I did like the Mark for Death one. Mm -hmm. um, the the one where they try to force you to leave your deployment zone, I love Ugh. in theory, but not the way it's currently written. I can't it's... tell you how to make it better, but that's like there's there are problems with it. Yeah, the added ones that you know try to push you out of deployment zone is written poorly, I think, um, and does not really do what it's intended to, um, and. Also, kind of along that same vein, the change to pick your poison, where it's basically just becomes marked for death, uh, I thought was like taking a bad objective and making it worse. Yeah, I think pick your poison just needs to be gone. Like, I don't think it, it's... It, uh... it, there's no point for it existing. It existed solely to punish Eldar, and I... that's not really needed anymore between Big Game Hunter and Mark for Death. You can pick any eight well... units you really need to, so... One thing I kind of liked about Pick for Pick Your Poison, so I agree. Um, I think as it stands right now, Pick Your Poison is not fu super functional. Um, however, and this is not me talking as an ITC official representative. This isn't doctrine. This is just my own personal opinion as a 40K player. Um, I think uh, Pick Your Poison, I think you should move the goalposts a little bit on it um, and make it, maybe make it like vehicle with the character keyword or you know something like that because it is meant to be mm. an interchangeable kind of secondary that's meant to target the meta right and right now the meta isn't fly keyword and psychers it's infantry model troop choice and you know vehicle character keywords and <clears throat> characters under nine wounds i don't know some this, you know what i'm talking about um there's problem units and flyers and psychers are no longer the one the problem units I will yeah. say, if just if we want to tie this one up so we can go further, um, I think we really do need to address uh, IT secondaries um, just to keep the game fresh, if nothing else. Um, yeah. And uh, and I think Pamps and crew put together like a really good proposal. Um, 
I think we need to put a lot more effort into it. And not saying that they didn't, because uh, like it's thought out. There's, uh, it's just it, there needs to be so much work done. I think to make it uh, playable, and not to mention a lot of it is like uh, changes to help against the marine meta. And I that meta may not exist in two months when the, the Adepticon fact comes out, right? So that's always something yeah. we need to look at. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% in favor of tweaking the ITC each year, both to keep it fresh and to sort of keep up with the meta. Um, I'm not sure I agree with the stuff they've changed, but they're obviously, like, they're trying to point it in specific directions. Um, whether or not that will work, you know, I have an opinion, and I'm sure they have an opinion as well, so there's a discussion that needs to happen there. Um, next up, what was your favorite list at the event, and why was it Trevor's uh, 1,300 points of Inquisition that got two wins? Well, Eric, you are wrong. It wasn't Trevor's list, even though that was cute. Um, it was Chris Fisher's 27 Orc Buggy list. That was my favorite list. <laughs> Every other list is a hot pile of garbage. Whoa, Sorry, whoa, Sean whoa. and Brandon. What about um, Alex McDougal's list? Um, yes, eight Ridge Runners, super cute. I had already seen it though. Charity Hammer. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Twenty right, right. twenty-seven orc buggies. When uh, at least up until like registration day at LVO, when I think one other person brought like two buggies, there were literally no other buggies at the LVO. One guy brought all of them, and he only <laughs> brought them. Um, so every other list is is just a steaming pile of shit in my eyes. The end. Okay. All right. Uh, next question. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, what does your dream date with Adam Camilleri look like? Um, Ooh, next, next question. Uh, Kelsey Ito already hit it. Uh, it was drinking Foster's at Noseback Steakhouse. Um, <laughs> what events in 2020 would you guys be looking at for another live stream? And is a Hef's mustache going solo? Uh, we can't talk too much to that. We are in talks with a couple places. I will say one of them that we are uh, really trying for, and I think is going to happen, is uh, the BAO. Um, hmm. BAO means uh, a good amount to me. It was pr- it was my first kind of like solo go at commentating. Um, and I love the FLG guys. Uh, it looks like uh, Adam, and Tony, and Paul are all available to fly there. At, Val is like 60-40 on it. So I, if uh, Reese is up for it, I think that's going to be our next big biggin. is we're going to try to do the BAO. Mm. Um, that's a, it's a good one. And I think it'll be great. Um, I would love to, a wish list. I would love to see the WTC. And then also yeah. maybe get your like polar opposites to do the ETC, right? So um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to name names, but there, there's you know, anti vows and anti Peters in the community. Well, I'm sure we could figure it out to do the ETC, and then we, you guys can do the WTC, and then we can have an Anchorman style face off somewhere <laughs> in Europe, probably in a Russian winter. Although it'll be summer then. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it. Let's do it. Um, boop, boop, boop. Where are we? Uh, what if, what events? Derek Page, what events will you guys be trying to get to this year uh, to play at? So that would be more Brandon and uh, Sean. Um, I mean, I sort of have my usual. It's like obviously LVO, BAO, SoCal, uh, and then just the sort of the smattering of stuff up in the Northwest, uh, T-Shift, Boise Cup, um maybe wet coast and some of the others 
Uh, we're going to kind of see where things are at before I make some of those decisions because if the game is this heavy Marines for this long, by the time summer rolls around, I may just not be all that interested in continuing to go to tournaments because uh, mm. I have sort of a finite tolerance for that sort of thing. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I agree with Scary on all those points in everything, literally everything you said, the events and the, the sentiment. But I'm also training for um, the European Team Championships. So, the World Team Championships. Yeah, now they're renamed World Team Championships. <laughs> so uh, I'm definitely attending that and I'm super excited about it. So I'm going to be practicing more locally. Um, including against Marines, and I don't know. My attitude is they're going to sort this out eventually, so I'm just going to stick with it until then. Um, uh, Pablo, are you going to any events outside of the ones you have to work at? Uh, you know, I'm probably... Uh, so every year, every year I try to set aside a month or two um, to go to events that I've never been to and kind of um, experience the communities there. Um so, you know, if you want me to come out to one of your events uh, and really promote it and all that stuff um, with our sponsorship options, which people usually do every year, um, you can just email me frontlinegamingpdpob at gmail.com. So sometimes that influences where I go. Um, and honestly, it's kind of a smorgasbord of options. Uh, I feel like the community is so close knit that I, everywhere I go that I have like a couch to crash on or a free ticket or some, something, something because people really help each other out to come out to the, all these events. Um, but right now, I don't know. I have, I have my, I, my schedule wide open. I, I really want to hit flying monkey con this year. Uh, I also really want to hit the iron halo, uh, which I missed last year, which I was super bummed about missing. Um, and then um, I, I really, really like to do ATC, but I need to find a team. I have a couple guys that I reached out to, that that might need players but i i I understand that if i were a free agent i would be tom brady five years from now um (laughs) in value i would be (laughs) i would be uh you know uh albert hainsworth if you a football guy um (laughs) you know i would not be a high priority free agent for atc which i fully understand um so i think more importantly uh this year I'm, i'm gonna look into going to as many rtt's locally as i can uh, and then trying to take advantage of the cheap airfare to local venues outside of Vegas, like um, NorCal, North Cal, LA, um, Utah, kind of the Midwest area as well. Mm. So um, um, that, that'll be my main goal. My goal is to do the big three FLG ones again, SoCal, BAO, and LVO, because I always love seeing you guys. Um, I'll be doing Capital City Bloodbath this year um, oh, in yeah. August. Um as a commentator with uh, Rob the Honest Wargamer, again, because we had such a ball together last time. Hopefully this time he doesn't almost die. Um, and then I've been invited to a ton of events, and I'm just not sure what I'm going to be able to do. I, like, as a father of three, it's hard to kind of balance uh, all of that. Uh, but, you know, I've talked to people about going to the WTC, depending on where it is, either as a uh, team coach, like a non-player coach, or in some other capacity. I've talked to people about Adepticon. Like, there's there's a lot I could do. I just don't know what I'm going to have the time and money for. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, I think Peter and I are, are in the same boat there. Yeah, plus I have to drive eight hours before I fly anywhere, so it really uh, <laughs> it limits where I can go, uh, just in case. 
Just um, get an airplane, dude. I, given that I work at an airport, you think it wouldn't be this hard for me to fly anyway. <laughs> but it is. Um, Dustin Higgins, Peter, if Adam was a dessert, what would it be? That's the chocolate thunder from Down Under. Um, don't even mm. have to think about it. Uh, we skipped Shannon. Oh, sorry. Shannon. Oh, yeah, that's an important question because Brandon answered it, um, but I think he was a little off. I don't think he knows. What does the panel think about a full redo of the Forge World books? This was announced uh, tentatively at Nova and then fully announced at LVO that they are redoing them all in some fashion. What do you guys think? Um, I think those rules definitely need a redo in many cases, as the books have evolved a lot since they put all that stuff out, which leaves things either comically useless or ridiculously overpowered, uh, depending on whether you're a space marine or not. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure I have a lot of confidence in Forge World's rules writing, so I guess we'll see where it goes. Well Part of that announcement was that it's the main rules writing team that is going to be doing the books. Well, oh. then I'll amend that to I'm not sure I have a lot of confidence in the main rules team's <laughs> writing. Uh, because they're the ones who, against all recommendation, put out the marine books. Let me put it this way. It's a step in the right direction. I'm sure that the points will be adjusted closer so that all the units are balanced. But the main problem will remain... I can put six positive bonuses on one unit, and now that unit is way better than its points would suggest. Yeah. Um, All right. We already answered TJ, Nick Dorich. Nick Dorich, he's the winner. He asked mm -hmm. a question. He must actually listen to our show. Oh, yeah, works. Nick, congratulations. Um, and you're getting your question answered. If Patrick Mayhomes is the Iron Hands, what faction does Jimmy Garoppolo represent? There you go, Pablo. Football question. Oh, the losing faction. Raven Guard. <laughs> whoa whoa <laughs> okay. no no that's a super bowl question for those of you who don't watch the nfl and i know there's a lot of you pretty much everyone who doesn't like 40k stat center <laughs> um but uh, and that's just a joke um but uh yeah i think i think patrick mahomes represents iron hands and jimmy garoppolo represents brad chester and the other not iron hands um because they were both you know dominant factions going into it okay um is the most important nathan henning is the most important part of the sandwich the bread or the filling um and also uh how excited are we about the greater good being released next week? not excited at all and <laughs> the bread clearly i mean without bread it's not a sandwich so by definition the most important part see um, i can make a really good sandwich with really positive. lousy bread that's the thing mm. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Ooh. And I mean, what what is a sandwich? We could get into this. Like, is a taco a sandwich? Um, no, but according to New York City, bread. a hot dog is a sandwich. Mm. Anyway, we're going to go down a pretty deep hole. Uh, Josh <laughs> Britcher, uh, people named Matt were more prevalent than Tyranids at LVO. Was their win rate also better? <laughs> yes. Um, actually, just I want I don't want to lie to you. Yes, it was. So people named Matt had a fifty point nine percent win rate at the LVO, um, not counting people named Matthias because that is oh. a crappy name from a crappy. Oh no! Whoa. <laughs> there was only Whoa. one. I'm sure he doesn't listen to the show. And if you do, Matthias, you're okay with me. Um, but yes, Tyranids went sixty, sixty three and one, and I believe uh, people named Matt went fifty eight, fifty four and one. So yeah, people named Matt just did better than Tyranids on a whole. 
barely yeah, better. You heard but... it here first. Change your name that as the your best winning tack. Mm, yep, that you'll at least get over that fifty percent hump. I think it's stop running Tyranids actually, but. <laughs> Changing your name to Matt might work, too. Um, what is the best alternative to peanut butter in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Brandon got it with almond butter. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Um, have we tried gilt grilled cheese? I mean, come on. That's a whole other thing. Um, Hold on. Tim's better question there. Are there any major changes you want to make to the coverage we provided this year at Thelvio? That's a great question. Um, yes. Yeah, so from uh, our perspective, one big change we're doing is um, uh, Tyler Agee, who is uh, off the West Coast. He's an awesome fellow, one of the best people you'll ever meet, super kind, generous with his time. He has built, or is currently building, a stream-in-a-box setup that um, Mm. is absolutely incredible. He was actually building it. uh, Charity Hammer gave him the idea. Um, and he and I and Val had a really long talk at the LVO, well, long to me because I, um, can't pay attention to things for more than a few seconds unless they're numbers. Um, but, uh, like, and when he explained it, like we were a hundred percent in, so he's going to be helping us out, uh, with just getting better tech for cheaper. So we're not spending a billion dollars on, uh, equipment that we don't need. Um, because he's just got his brain into it. So that'll be big. And then I think the next thing we want to do, if possible, is get another person. Uh, have one more team member, because there is a thought that um, as we develop this, if we keep going down this track, we would love to have two sets of commentators, I think would be the end goal. Um, <coughs> and Pablo Pablo has definitely put his name in the hat, and it's not that we, we have not ignored that name. Uh, but yeah, that's something we're looking at. Um, once we get enough of the tech together is to be able to have two full-time commentators on top of our, uh, sorry, four full-time commentators on top of having two runners in the field and a production, uh, person. I think that would be super keen. I'd be a hundred percent in on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and the commentators can also double up as, uh, content providers, writers, posters, hype men, huggers, um, huggers um, uh, mini producers picking, matchups to watch and just it's yep. just yeah um it's all great I, I wish we could have had a team of like 10 dudes at the lvo covering it um me but, too it would have been great but yeah. we had what we had and it was it worked out real well all right uh that is it for the episode everyone ladies and gentlemen you listeners are the absolute best listeners in the world thank you so much for listening to chapter tactics and as always have a good one Bye-bye. bye 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 everyone